0: And now we will begin. Melanie Ake, I present to you our Master of Ceremonies. (laughs) Hello, I am Melanie
1: Ake, the Master of Ceremonies for today's global panel for breast cancer survivors. I am very excited to be with you today as we celebrate these survivors of breast cancer. We have some amazing panelists that will share their stories of survivorship We think of people in our minds every time they survive an event. And with breast cancers, they're encouraged to ring a bell every time they celebrate a success in their journey. And so I wanna ring my bell today for all of these panelists. And as we begin, I wanna introduce Gigi Sabat, which is the host. And I'm so honored to be here with all of you today. Here we're gonna kick off a great event, a two hour event. Please stay with us, join us. We are streaming live on Facebook and we appreciate your support. There will be a discussion group afterwards. Gigi, I'm gonna take it over to you now.
0: Yes, ma'am. I will go ahead and share my screen now.
2: since they told her about it the darkness her body possessed and the scars are still there in the mirror every day that she gets herself dressed though the pain is miles and miles behind her and the fear is now a docile beast you ask her why she is still running she'll tell you it makes her complete i run for home
3: taken its toll, and they cut into my skin, and they cut into my body, but they will never get a piece of my soul, and I'm still...
0: Okay, and now I'll turn it back over to our Master of Ceremonies, Melanie Ake.
1: Hello, and welcome again we are going to have some amazing speakers today encouraging us to remember what it is to be a survivor in the world. Our first speaker is Mari Gomez. Mari Gomez is a breast cancer survivor and founder of the Mary Strong Foundation. And we welcome you today, Mari, and celebrate you.
0: Okay, we will need to move on to the next speaker. Mari Gomez is not able to hop on just yet.
1: Great, Yulia Stark is our next panelist. Yulia, President, European Women's Association and Senator for the WBAF. Welcome Yulia, thank you for sharing your story today.
4: One moment, to have some technical difficulties, one moment.
5: Here. Oh, okay. All
6: right, I think, yes, we are back. Thank you so much for the welcome, welcoming words. I am joining you guys from Europe, so it's late afternoon here, and I'm very honored uh, to be with you today. Thank you.
1: Yulia, would you like to share your story now?
6: Um, Yes, yes, sure. So um, let's get in short. To be honest, I'm I'm luckily not uh, the ones who would be sharing her sad story, but it's actually a story of my mom. And what I recently realized talking to one of the uh, psychologists of my mom, they uh, um, advise actually to start, like people who are uh, supporting those who are going through cancer. People who are near there and they are very uh, often uh, forgotten in the process. And uh, for you to give a concept, some we live here in Belgium, and my mom, she's Ukrainian by birth, so she moved here uh, ten years ago, and she doesn't speak the language. And imagine yourself being in a situation where you have to um, explain yourself or express you have that, that you have pain somewhere, and you're not able to. She speaks Ukrainian, and here we speak Dutch, and. Suddenly you realize as a daughter that um, in, in my case, I had to be there from every journey, every process. And honestly, I really underestimated the impact that it has not only on her, but also myself, on my kids and my husband. And it's only now after all these operations and the chemotherapy and and, and, and radiation that you realize that that illness actually affects everybody surrounding the person that's ill. And Really, how would I say? In our case, when my mom got ill, we didn't know it was cancer. They told us it's some kind of autoimmune disease, and we went from different hospitals. And I thought in Belgium we have a very good and strong medical system, but apparently we did not. We went through different um, institutions and hospitals, and I said, "Well, it's it's breast looks red, so actually it's not that um, it's not that bad. Just get, get get some antibiotics, and it will be better." But in reality, it wasn't, and it's by coincidence that uh, giving, taking the last test biopsy, they said, oh my gosh, we are so sorry, but your mom has a very aggressive breast cancer. And if we don't treat her right now, immediately, she won't be here in three months. So it was a very confronting moment, realizing that it's just a coincidence um, or God's intervention. I don't know how you call it, but that she's still alive. And now go, we went through different operations. She lost both of her breasts. And um, honestly, um, she holds herself strong like many of you here, probably going through that uh, similar situation. Um, and after Uh, six months of being in the process, now I've uh, realized how hard it has been actually on myself because I wanted to stay strong for my mom, trying to translate only the things that uh, she needs. And then you have to make a choice. What do I say? Do I go completely open knowing my mom, she's very sensitive and she will think only the worst at that moment. And this is um, a great lesson I've learned um, that when you are supporting somebody else in life, is it cancer, is it illness, is it grief? Um, please make sure you take care of yourself too. Because in my case, it had a negative impact on my children and my husband, because I would hide my feelings. I would say, I'm, I'm, I'm great. It's my mom who's ill, not me. And I would just literally crash. if uh, And, um, and, 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 and um, psychologists would just ask me a question. How are you? And I would realize, oh my gosh, I'm not as good as I thought I am. So for me, the COVID was a very strange period because it's in March we discovered she's got this aggressive cancer and the whole roller coaster of lockdowns and illness and not being uh, able to operate it during the COVID. I think in US it was also probably the similar situation. You had to prioritize the operations, Um, not being able to visit that person in the hospital. Um and, and for her, her it was quite isolating because as I said, she doesn't speak the language. And being in a, a country that's uh, um, I mean very protective of the patients, it, it it was it was a a transformative in a way experience as well. I have so much more respect for women and men who went through that illness, and especially for those people who surround them. And I realized how important it is to be um, Uh, open and vulnerable and ask for support during that time as well. So I'm not sure how much time I have got left, um, but I think I would would give my time if it's left to another person that can share their story as well. Thank you, Yulia.
1: Thank you, Yulia. That was beautiful and such a reminder, right? That it surrounds us and we just need to continue to be strong as warriors. Thank you so much. I wanted to share a statistic about 1 in 8 U.S. women, and about 12% will develop invasive breast cancer over the course of their lifetime. I wanted to bring on our next panelist, Kelly Ekwurzel. Kelly Ekwurzel, the dynamic clarity coach, breast cancer survivor, two times breast cancer survivor. She's a speaker, trainer, and coach with the John Maxwell team. And just a lovely human being that inspires all of us, Kelly. welcome to the panel. Open you're on mute, Kelly.
7: Reconnected me, it muted me. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me here. I am truly honored. Um, I'd like to kind of start with a little story. If you ask any cancer survivor uh, what their first experience was that he or she had with cancer, they're gonna be able to tell you, I promise that. My first experience was back in, in early 1960, and it was whispered. The whisper was, shh, don't tell anybody. Uncle Fred has cancer. I was 14 years old at the time, and it made a huge impact on me. Since that time, I've had six relatives maybe seven because we don't know exactly what was wrong with my father before he passed away but uh six blood relatives that have had cancer i am the only one that's here to tell about it and i feel that my life has been blessed many times over for years i didn't talk about it either it was that deep dark secret that we we kept hidden um and then in 2000 I thought I was having a wonderful life. I was having a wonderful life. I had a wonderful career. My children were growing up to be strong people. My sons were just out of uh, high school. One was still in college. Uh, I was co-owner of an insurance agency and just going along at a wonderful clip. And then I started not feeling well. And so I went to the doctor and I was diagnosed with cancer and Over the next few months, uh, almost a year, uh, I had first surgery and then chemo and then radiation therapy. My life literally changed overnight. My career came to a halt. I had no energy to do any of the continuing education. So obviously I couldn't keep the licenses that I had. But when I recovered, I started going out again and I started talking to anyone who would listen. I talked to my Kiwanis Club, to the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I talked to anybody that would listen and I tried to find out as much as I possibly could about this disease that my mother and grandmother would only whisper about. They were both gone by that time. My mother died six days after she was diagnosed with cancer. Between us, my husband and I have five children and uh, Two of them were born to me. The other three are stepchildren. My sons live here in Texas and I am so blessed to have them in my life. Uh, I thought many years after that experience in 2000 that it was all behind me. And uh, in in 2015, I went in for an annual checkup. They said, you're cancer free, everything's great. And Little did I know that it was really just around the bend, that it was coming again. Uh, In 2017, I was diagnosed for the second time because I had had radiation therapy and um, uh, a lumpectomy the first time around, I couldn't do that again on the same side. So I had to opt for a different solution. They said, well, you can have a mastectomy on one side and a lumpectomy on the other side. Now, I don't know about any of you all, but I didn't want to be lopsided. That just didn't appeal to me at all. It was like, really? Why would I want to do that? You know, tilting to one side all the time? It felt strange. So I opted for a double mastectomy. They said, you're going to be, you know, out of commission, so to speak, for uh, about three weeks. It took three months. After the end of the first month, I had um, one side have necrosis and had to have the expanders taken out. A month later down the road, the other side did the same thing. So necrosis made it impossible for me to have expanders and to have uh, a breast line. So I'm flat. I belong to a group called Flat and Fabulous, and they really are fabulous ladies. I'm so blessed to be part of that group. But but both in 2000 and in 2017, I learned something about myself, and that was I was addicted to sugar. I thought I had given it up in 2000, but I didn't. I was always drinking Cokes and eating candy and things like that. But then I changed my diet. And, you know, I'm now I'm the healthy person that eats the oatmeal and eats my greens and doesn't smoke, doesn't drink to excess, all those things that they tell you that you shouldn't do, you know, or you should do in order to stay healthy. Back then, I didn't go to a gym. In fact, I lived so far out in the country that there wasn't a gym within 20 miles. At the end of the time when I was going through uh, all the the various treatments the first time around all of my children got together for the first time in many many years that was one of the biggest blessings in my life I I can't even begin to put into words the feelings of having all of them come together to help their father and I celebrate life I wish I could say that they all stayed close but they didn't but as my sister says and she actually got me a plaque that says this Love leaves a memory that no one can steal or erase. And that is so true in our lives. Uh, We create memories with the people that we are around, be they family that we have chosen or family that we are born into. My youngest son encouraged me to start doing yoga and meditation, and that was a tremendous help to me. I'm still doing it today. I changed my diet. And now I read labels on boxes and and bottles and make sure that whatever I'm putting either into my body or on my body are things that are safe. So I was really stunned when I was diagnosed the second time. But then I found that I had several angels in my life. One of them was our MC today. And another one uh, is one that I don't know how I would have done without this young lady taught me so much. She hired on for uh, a three week uh, tour of duty, so to speak, helping me out, ended up staying for three months and ended up making a huge impact in my life. She taught me things I never thought that I would learn and God bless her. I I just love her to death and she's still in my life these days. So. Once again, God blessed me with things that I wouldn't have learned otherwise, and I wouldn't have been able to help other people go through because of my experiences. So why all the details? Well, those are really just the highlights. Uh, There are so many other things. There were obstacles. But God helped me to turn them around and make them stepping stones so that I could walk past those experiences and walk into a different world where now I can help others. I've known for a very long time that my purpose on on this earth is to help others be the very best that they can be. And I'm very, very blessed now that uh, as part of what I do as a coach now, uh, I am able to help seniors, both men and women, to be the best that they can be on a daily basis. I teach classes that help them to uh, remain healthy, both physically as well as mentally. And uh, I'm, I'm just very blessed. I, uh, I recently took an assessment test and it said that I am a contributor, it said that's my why. That's just a fancy way of saying I like to help people. And I do, I always have. So being this coach now to the seniors is truly uh, a wonderful way for me to be able to help others. So I don't tell you this story to make you feel sorry for myself. Please don't, because I'm not sorry for me. We've all had obstacles. We've all been able to get over some of them. Some of them we haven't gotten over. Some of them we've walked around. But cancer has been a huge influence in my life. That's that's really an understatement. I hope it never affects you as it has me. Uh, If I hadn't had cancer, I would have missed the opportunity To learn and to meet other people who needed words I had. When the teacher is there, they learn also. Anybody here who's a parent knows that when your children are born and you start teaching them, they teach you so much more. I can't even begin to talk about all the different things that my youngest son has taught me and my older son also. I would have missed the blessings if I hadn't had the cancer. Would I want to have cancer? Of course not. But I wouldn't have wanted to miss the blessings. So I'd like to talk about just two other things. One is that any obstacle can become a stepping stone. You can use it to project yourself into the next level of whatever God has in store for you. And lastly, I have a challenge for you. And that challenge is that... There's somebody out there every day that needs to hear from you, whether it's a parent, a grandparent, the lady down the street, the man who holds your, the door open for you at the post office. You know, Somebody needs to hear the words that you have to say. So be known as a person who cares and help those people every single day. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk here today. It's an honor.
8: Thank
1: you, Kelly. My pleasure. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. You're just an amazing woman and I encourage people to connect to you. Be encouraged. As of January, 2020, there are more than 3.5 million women with a history of breast cancer in the US. This includes women currently being treated and women who have finished treatment. I'd like to reintroduce our guest here, panelist Mari Gomez, founder of the Mari Gomez Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mari, and sharing your story.
9: Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited, a little nervous, um, because every time I tell my story, um, it's kind of hard. It's so fresh. But I got my tissues ready, so... Um, it's, it's, um, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, okay.
9: So uh, my name is Mari Gomez. Um, my, hus- my husband and I are the founders of um, the Mari Strong Foundation. And what we do is we, we help women that have been impacted with breast cancer um and the way we came about that it was through our story art my story um is three years ago i was diagnosed with breast cancer stage three breast cancer i was in the uh, best shape of my life um spiritually physically and um financially as well um and i was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer and When we went to the doctor, the doctor said, well, we're gonna check to see if what we can do, is this curable or is this treatable? And a lot of people that don't understand the difference, treatable is they're just gonna treat me until it's my time. Curable is they're gonna cure me and they're gonna help me get a cure and be back to who I was before. Um, So my story ends well. my cancer was curable. Uh, I went through radiation. I started off with a double mastectomy. And um, that was a hard decision to make because um, as a woman, for me, my breast made me feel who I was. And, um, prayed about it and I went ahead and just decided to do a double mastectomy. I only had the breast on the cancer on one side, but I went ahead and did decided to do the two of them because I didn't want to have to go through this all over again if God forbid this came back. I didn't want to have to go and do it twice and go through the the pain and and the discomfort and, and what it entailed. So. I did that, Um, I was super excited. Um, Then we went back to our follow-up and my doctor says, we need to go back and do surgery again. There's still cancer on your skin, around your nipple area. So that was heartbreaking for me because I thought it was done. And then two weeks later, I'm back in surgery, having another surgery. And I remember when we came home and my husband and I were talking about it. And he says, let's go do something fun. You know, let's go and laugh. And so we went to go see a movie. It was a Christmas movie. And I hadn't laughed so much and so hard in a long time. And that was the things thing is that. He's ever done for me. Um,
10: I have a super, super supportive family. And my husband is
9: my rock, my daughter, and my son, and just all our family and friends have been amazing. We're amazing and still are and supportive in everything that we do. And, um, you know, so I did this second surgery and You know, the recovery was hard. Um, Cancer doesn't hurt. It didn't hurt me. What hurt me was the recovery, the recovery of having to get better, the recovery of being back to who I was. Um, That's what hurts. That's what's painful. That's what is uncomfortable. Um, So I did that surgery and then I started my radiation. Praise God, I did not need chemo. So I was super excited about that. Um, I was a very private person in my journey. I didn't discuss it much with my work. Um, I was doing my radiation treatments during my lunch hour. I would go and do my radiation, then I'd go back to work and get nothing. No one ever saw a difference or... No one really noticed anything. And I didn't want,
5: I kept it that way because I didn't want people to feel sorry for me.
10: I didn't want people that maybe
9: were not nice before to me wanted to be nice to me only because I had cancer. Uh, So I did that. And then I was super excited because then I was able to get um, expanders. I was gonna get my expanders and um, they had to remove the muscles from my back and put them on my chest because the the radiation damaged my skin so much. It was so thin. If they were to just try to do the expanders, um, just like that, it would tear my skin. So my, doc- my doctor put the muscles from the back onto my chest. And uh, he said, you have really good muscles that'll help with the volume. It'll help with your recovery and it'll help with your expanders, but you may never be able to use or have a lot of upper body strength. And I said, okay, I could probably live with that but I'm not gonna accept that. And um, we did the surgery and unfortunately, It didn't go as planned. Um, They couldn't put the expanders right away. So I had to wait. That surgery was super hard, super hard because I had four incisions, four incisions on me, two on my back and two on my chest. And I had drainage pumps that were so uncomfortable and so painful with any type of movement that it, it was just, it was, it was the worst and the hardest recovery for me. And um,
5: I cried because he said, we can't
9: put your expanders in yet. You're going to have to wait another six months. And I remember in bed, and I was crying. And I would tell my husband, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, just forget it. Like, it's just too much. And he said, no, God's going to help us through. You're going to do great. We're almost done. We're almost to the finish line. You're going to get back to where you were before. And I think a lot of what helped us through is our faith in God. Because even though the doctor was telling me what he knew from his experience, I knew what my God could do for me and that he could heal me. And we prayed a lot. Our family got closer and closer and um, it's just been amazing. Um, So I had my last surgery, 2018, which I actually finally got my implants and I was super excited. Um, I remember that surgery was like, super easy. I felt like I was back to myself like within two weeks. And it was just amazing that I was able to recover so quickly. Um, And, you know, just to fast forward to where I'm at today. I don't look back and think about why cancer happened to me. I don't question that. I'm looking at this. Why not to me? And why God chose me because I want to be able to help people, I want to be able to to help them in anything that they can to guide them, um, to listen to them. Because as a breast cancer survivor, when you go through this, you just need to talk about it, you don't need someone to try to give you advice or tell you that it's going to be okay. Um, you just want to talk and just let it off, and you know, and so. This is what got us to open up our foundation, uh, the mighty Strong Foundation, because life still happens when you have breast cancer. You still need to be able to take care of your family. You still need to be able to take care of your kids, take care of your house, And that's what we try to do with our foundation is help people in, in, that, in that respect. And so it's just a little part of my story. Um, there's just so much more, uh, so much good and so much bad. Um, awesome thing is, is I feel like I am now stronger and um, better than who I was before. Um, I am back to my workouts. I am able to do my push-ups when they said I was may not be able to get that upper body strength. And so for that, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for, um, for God being in our lives because if it wasn't for him, I don't know where I'd be. I really don't. So... Um, it's just amazing amazing and and I encourage anyone that's going through this breast cancer journey to just reach out to someone and to talk to someone about whatever you're feeling whatever you're going through and um you know our nonprofit you can always reach out to our nonprofit there's a messenger you have a message you want to speak to someone you can just message us through there and it goes directly to our facebook messenger and we're here to help and that's something that would during true to our hearts and close to our hearts because we've experienced that. So, you know, I just encourage everyone that's going through this to just reach out and, and ask for help if you need it because I think as a mom, you're used to doing everything. And I hate to ask for the help when you know
1: you need it. Thank you, Mari. Thank you. Mari, thank you so much. We love you and what an amazing story to encourage and inspire so many women. Choices are so difficult at those times. And we just have to know that there's a higher power that's taking care of us. Very special. Oh, get out the tissues, right? Here we go (laughs) (laughs) so much. Um, Another statistic, about 42,170 women in the U.S. are expected to die in 2020 from breast cancer. Death rates have been steady in in women under 50 since 2007, but have continued to drop in women over 50. The overall death rate from breast cancer decreased by 1.3% per year from 2013 to 2017. These decreases are simply thought to be the result of treatment advances and earlier earlier detection through screening. It's encouraging, right? When we know more, we have to do more and we have to support each other. Our next panelist, Linda D. Eldridge, your Chief Happiness Officer and founder of Happiness Jungle LLC. I just love this woman. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, international best-selling author, keynote speaker, breast cancer survivor, humorist, entrepreneur, co-brand partner with Les Brown. Len D. is also the creator, producer, TV personality of the four-year-running Happiness Jungle TV show, host of I'm Crazy But You Can't Lock Me Up podcast, and the creator of the Happiness Jungle emotional support body pillow for emotional support. Welcome. Welcome, Linda D.
5: Good morning, everybody. And my name is Lindy Eldridge. But I like how you said my name and I appreciate you. (laughs) So, Yes, everybody. um, My name is Lindy Eldridge. And this right here is Ziggy and I had to show you him because he's like my emotional support. So there we go. I gave you a little treat. I gave you my Ziggy. But Uh, I am the Chief Happiness Officer of the Happiness Jungle, and the reason being is because my mindset is so clear. I've been working on myself for 36 years, so please understand that what I'm gonna share with you, I know personally that it can help you. When I found out in 2017 that I had the breast cancer, notice I said the breast cancer. Do not own it, do not own it. It is called the breast cancer. It is not your breast cancer, We do not own it. We want this this horrible thing to go away. So it's the breast cancer. So let me just share a little bit about my story. In 2017, that was truly my tornado year. And I know that we could all appreciate that when we have a lot of things going on in our lives. So I'm just gonna fast forward it uh, to September 26th, 2017, when I found out that I had the breast cancer. I became a caretaker of my mom, and it was pretty horrific. Many of you know her as Hurricane Frances around the world. She was one of the meanest women in the world, but she was my mom, and I love her. May she rest in peace. I was also having challenges in my marriage where neither one of us really wanted to give up on the marriage. I was with this gentleman for 14 years. I canceled over 21 speaking engagements in 2017 because my mother needed me. And I believe in Carmen, I believe in doing the right thing. But there was this one speaking engagement up in New Hampshire. I was down in South Florida. And there was one speaking engagement that was called Families in Transition. I think that pretty much says it all. And I did not want to miss that. And I figured, well, while I'm up in New Hampshire, let me go for my physical, my yearly physical. I felt great. I looked great. There was nothing wrong with me. I went for my annual mammograms and um, only to find out that I had the breast cancer. Well, what a a shock that was. And when we hear those words, you have cancer, it numbs us. Absolutely. It paralyzes us. We go off and spins if if it happens. And when the doctor said that to me, I looked at her and I said, I have the breast cancer. She goes, why did you call it the breast cancer? I said, because I'm not going to own it. I'm going to get rid of it. That was number one. Number two, they had me go down for another mammogram and then for an ultrasound, just to confirm that I had the breast cancer. I'm grateful that I caught it at the very beginning in stage one. And my message right now is go for mammograms, okay? So if you've already been diagnosed with the breast cancer, I'm gonna help you have a better mindset. If you haven't and you're afraid to go because you don't wanna know, you need to know, because the sooner you find out you have the breast cancer, the sooner you could be cured from it. Okay. So when I found out I had the breast cancer, I knew that I had to make arrangements for my mom. I knew that there were things going on in my marriage. And if there was ever a time to reconcile, it was now. So I asked my former husband to please come back to New Hampshire with me and go through the process with me. I wasn't high maintenance. All I wanted to do is to be hugged at night. And unfortunately, he could not do that. So I had to forgive him for his weaknesses. So along my journey of healing with the breast cancer, I did forgive a lot of people. And I also did not move any further than what I where I was. What I mean by that is that I didn't google anything because I didn't know what I didn't know. So when I found that I had the breast cancer, it was also during a long weekend, a holiday weekend. Well, once I found out I had the breast cancer and then I had the biopsy, I had to wait for the test results. I refuse to allow this to go ahead and consume my happiness, to consume my joy. I refuse to allow my mind to wander, to go ahead of me, because I knew that whatever was going on at this moment, I had no control over. So I allowed it to go until I could find out the diagnosis of the breast cancer. And um, I went ahead and I had to share it with my daughter, with her husband and my four beautiful granddaughters. That was my support system. The reason that I had to share it with them is because the doctor told me that it was in fact, I had the breast cancer. So I shared it with them. But I also shared the fact that it was a long weekend. And we had a lot to celebrate and we were going to play and dance and laugh and do everything that had to be. And my family went ahead and they honored that request. So um, it was two days after my 57th birthday, I'm three years breast cancer free. It was two days after my 57th birthday that my surgery was happening. Here's what happened though. Once I found out I had the breast cancer, the radiologist asked me, do you have a doctor? And I said, no, I was not expecting this. I don't know of any doctor. He recommended a doctor to me that ended up being my angel who is connected with a phenomenal medical team. So I want everybody to number one, when you find out you have the breast cancer, don't Google. Do not Google, Google is not your friend right now. Number two, trust your medical team. If you trust your medical team, it makes it a lot easier. My doctor was so amazing and not everybody has this benefit. She was so amazing that she even went to the grocery store with me and she helped me understand the right foods to eat, the wrong foods to eat, to stay away from sugar because cancer loves sugar. She said, I want you to take everything off of your plate that is stressing you out because cancer loves stress. So I did. Now realize being the caretaker of my mom, dealing with my marriage, I decided that if he could not be with me during this most critical time of my life, that the marriage was probably over. So I got divorced three weeks into radiation. And you know what? I had the support and the love from the radiology department. I had the support and the love from my family, from my daughter, her husband, and the four children. I realized then how important it was to believe in your medical team. When she asked me, what is it that I wanted to do? I obviously didn't know because I've never experienced this. And because I was the first person in my entire family to have the breast cancer, I did not know what to do. So she explained to me, lumpectomy, mastectomies. And then I looked at her and I said, if I was you, or if I was your mother, your daughter, your, your niece or your best friend, what would you tell me to do? And she said to me, lumpectomy. And I said, lumpectomy it is. And we went ahead and we fast tracked it. And I had the surgery, I went for radiation. I was very blessed I didn't have to have chemotherapy. I also wrote a book that's called Squeeze My Tatas. You're only one mammogram away from knowing. And I share with you in the book, my journey for the first year of being diagnosed and going through the treatment and living out the first year of being a survivor and a warrior of the breast cancer. I wanna encourage each and every one of you to have the mindset that you're gonna win. You are a winner, no matter what, no matter how severe, what stage of the cancer you're in, I could assure you that when you have a positive mindset, and you live in the now presence, don't look at the future, don't look behind you, don't try to um, be everybody else's happiness, just be your own happiness and joy, your mindset can set you free. When I was diagnosed with the breast cancer, and the word was starting to get out, I was getting calls saying, I'm so sorry to hear that you're sick. I said, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm not sick. I only have an invasion that's going away. When I went to my radiation treatments, of course, as the breast cancer survivors know, we go, we sit in a waiting room with other survivors and I would bring little trinkets and toys for everybody. It was around Christmas time when my radiation treatment started. So that's what I did everywhere I go. I wanted to be the light for others because it brought light into my life. Did I cry? Yes. Did I have emotions? Yes. Was I disappointed? Yes. But I didn't stay there. With everything that was going on in my life, getting the divorce three weeks into radiation, learning the forgiveness for his weaknesses, dealing with my mom who, was out of control, I realized that the only thing that I can control was me and my mindset and to take one moment and one day at a time. So that's what I encourage each and every one of you to do. And how do I know it works? Because I did it. And if you want to read the book, Squeeze My Tatas, you could go to the site happinessjungle.com and you can get the book. But here's what happened. Do every challenge that we have sometimes there are blessings and one of the blessings is the happiness jungle emotional support body pillow and how it came about is because as you heard my former husband wasn't hugging me i didn't have that support at night and i decided that there's got to be a way that i could feel hugged So I created the Happiness Jungle Emotional Support Body Pillow that hugged me every night, and I never, ever lost a night's sleep, ever. So there is something out there that could help you go through it, that could help you manage your mindset and your comfort. Now, I share that story with you because through the process of the breast cancer, I was able to also come up with solutions for myself and for others. So I appreciate the stories that we're hearing today. I pray for each and every one of us that are going through the challenges of the breast cancer. And I also want us to realize that it's just not women that get it. We get it the hardest, but it's also the men get it too. So with that being said, um, I just want, everybody to feel okay, just feel okay with whatever the diagnosis is with whatever process you are of the breast cancer, realize that a smile and a happy thought goes a long way. I never said that life was easy, but I did say you can be happier. And I want each and every one of you to remember this. I want you to remember that I love you, that I'm hugging you, and I know that these times are tough, but together between the support systems and everything else that you have, you also have me. And I will offer you, you could call me, I'm not going to charge you, but I want you to get through this. And I want you to be joyful and appreciate the things that are going on in your life because we don't know why God gives us more that we think that we can handle, but what I can promise you is that he never gives us any more than we can handle. So with that, everybody, I wanna wish everybody happy holidays, a happy new year, and realize that you are more than enough. And if you have a support system that is amazing, I'm grateful for you for having that. And if you don't, and you were like me, that only had a small pocket of support, then it's okay too. just gravitate towards the things that give you light instead of darkness. Do not own the breast cancer. And remember the breast cancer, it's not gonna, it's not gonna stop you because you are a winner. You're a survivor, you're a warrior. And I'm Lindy Eldridge, your Chief Happiness Officer of the Happiness Jungle. And I'm sharing all this with you because if I could get through it, so can you. Three years breast cancer free. And I want to hear more from you. How many years, how many months, how many weeks, how many minutes that you are on your road to recovery. So with that, everybody, God bless you. Prayers go out to each and every one of you. And uh, you are more than enough. Thank you very much for giving me your time. Thank you, Lindy. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Lindy. I think it's now time to ring the bell. You know, celebration, I just love these stories. So heartwarming the strength that you all have through your stories is going to help so many people today. And I'm so sorry that my video isn't working because I have pink in celebration for you. I am just so honored to be a part of this and sharing and listening to your stories. Thank you so much, Lindy. Thank you so much. Thank you. You make us happy. (laughs) All right. So besides skin cancer, breast cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer among American women in 2020. It's estimated that about 30% of newly diagnosed cancers in women will be breast cancer. That's why we're here today. And next, we're going to hear from a panelist, a young man that has survived being so close to this. Matthew Gardner is a coach and a mentor for spiritual entrepreneurs He empowers his clients to experience balance and growth in love, business, and spirituality. In 2015, this is Matthew's story. He met his beautiful fiance, Gail. They shared many great memories together. And in 2018, Gail was diagnosed with breast cancer, which became terminal. And she subsequently passed away in April, just this year of 2020. After e- mental and emotional recovery, Matthew's now awakened to a new level of love and spiritual awareness. He now uses his awakened gifts to serve spiritual entrepreneurs. Matthew, my heart goes to you. Welcome, my friend.
2: Thank you, Melanie. It's wonderful to be here among all these amazing stories. And the thing that fascinates me the most is it's so many different perspectives on this uh, imbalance in the body um, known as cancer. And in going through the experience with my late fiance, um, that's what I really noticed is, you know, uh, the deep love that I had for her is what allowed me to carry through um, all the other aspects of the relationship, all the aspects of the imbalances that were there that she had to go through her entire life, really since childhood. She had a lot of, um, I guess like emotional things you might say and what I mean by that is she was such an emotionally deep person. So her ability to love, to give love, to receive love was absolutely immense to the point where it was actually overextended. And previous to me being with her in 2015, uh, she had been in a 23 year marriage where Much of that she carried emotionally and because of her depth of emotion and her ability to do that, uh, she was able to to carry that marriage, whereas her husband, um, wonderful human being and and obviously doing his best, but he didn't have the same emotional capacity as her. So Gail, with all her love and nurturing, um, carried that marriage for the entire time and around year 20, um, eventually got to a point of burnout um, where her husband Um, got a deep depression, and Gail became the primary caregiver. And then after three years of that, she was emotionally drained completely. And I find, at least in the situation that I experienced with with Gail, it was that emotional outpouring and not having the full balance in her life and not having the self-care to say, hey, look, I don't have more to give. Like, I can only... on my own oxygen mask first before i give out more to others and i think that's a key challenge with a lot of women is that there's so much nurturing within the female vibration and there's just a natural desire to give all that you can and i noticed that gail kind of hit a point where that wasn't you know possible anymore and from there uh, she began to just have her own journey of self-discovery where she Started to do some emotional healing and things of that nature, and she was uh, 51 at the time of her maybe maybe 50 at the time of her breast cancer diagnosis. And so, from my perspective, it's really that that emotional outpouring that kind of caught up in her body. Her body was now saying, "Hey, um, for a long time you've been emotionally out of balance. Now you're you know physically manifesting this, and it was really challenging for her to get." everything focused and lined up to um, find the resources that she needed because she was so scared of, of dealing with it and didn't know how to. And, and my approach initially was um, just wanting to give her everything that I could to help her, but she wasn't in a place to receive it. And so that was really my biggest challenge is like, well, you know, we have all these options that we can explore before this really um, takes on a a big course, um, but she just wasn't able to face that and wasn't able to take those steps. So it spread really quickly and uh, she did have to go through the chemotherapy, which super challenging um, time, absolutely. And that's really what brought our relationship closest together because that brought out a part of me where I was able to uh, help her uh, in a way that I knew was always within me, but I never had the opportunity to give another human being. So that brought our relationship really close. And uh, that's after she got through the chemo and she didn't do the full two rounds uh, because those of you that have any experience with that uh, would know that it's not very pleasant to go through. And um, she ended up getting a single mastectomy, recovered. After that's when we decided, well, um, obviously we're best friends for life, so we might as well get married. (laughs) So that's when we made that decision. And then in Christmas of uh, last year, uh, she started having bone pain and then that was misdiagnosed twice as being something else. uh, And then finally on a third diagnosis as bone cancer. And that was in February, and then within about two months time had uh, fully spread through her body and she passed away. So that another was um, very surreal for me to go through that type of experience. But what I did realize is through the course of it and afterwards and after my recovery, emotionally, mentally, is that consciousness exists beyond the body. So as much as there's a fear of death and dying in our human psychology, um, just knowing that this existence goes on beyond our physicalness. um, And I've had very direct encounters with uh, Gail from a spiritual perspective um, ever since her passing. Um, So they don't, like, disappear into nothing. They're always in our hearts, and we can always be supported and guided by them, but that requires a whole new level of um, emotional and spiritual commitment to our growth to really understand that, and I understand not everyone's ready for that, nor does people people have to be. I think we're all on our own journey, and that's the main thing I gained from Gail's story and her journey is to realize, hey, there were all these resources for her to, to, to gain assistance, But she didn't have to take them. And it wasn't the right or wrong thing for her to take them or not. Um, And it wasn't for me to say that she should. And initially, that was really, um, maybe really angry because there were so many things she could have been doing for herself that she wasn't. And then I just realized, you know what? It's her journey. It's her story. This is the role she's meant to play. And she's decided to play. And once I reached that level of acceptance and, and peace about her journey, and I was just there to support her because I loved her so much, Then that's when I found inner peace about the whole thing. and I was there for a year and a half, two years as a primary caregiver through it. And it's really the best opportunity I ever had to love in my life. And it made me the man that I am today. And it's allowed me to serve my clients in a really amazing way and serve humanity in a way that wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't gone through that experience with Gail. That's my
1: story. Thank you so much, Matthew. It's the support, right? It's that support role that we learn sometimes with the challenges that are around us that God brings us into that we need to show up and we have to learn to love. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. For sharing this morning.
2: Thank you.
1: A woman's risk of breast cancer nearly doubles if she is a first degree relative, mother, sister, or daughter who has been diagnosed with breast cancer. Less than 15 percent of women who get breast cancer have a family member diagnosed with it. I am so honored to introduce our next panelist, Michelle Moraz. She's a survivor of multiple life challenges to include sexual assault and a traumatic brain injury and her current battle with breast cancer. She guides her clients to recognize the innate gifts within them, to stop apologizing for what they are not and step into who they truly are. She accomplishes this through one-on-one and group coaching, training events, keynote talks, her books, podcasts and Mental Shift television show. Welcome to the panel, Michelle Moraz. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. We love you. Thank you for having
3: me. Wow, remember how she said I had a traumatic brain injury? Now people say that bad things happen for reasons. Well, my brain injury saved my life. It's what made me aware of my breast cancer. Now let me tell you how that happened. Most of us are told to go get mammograms and look for a lump. I never had a lump. What I was having was nightmares, really vivid nightmares of dying. And so one day I'm looking in the mirror, looking and I knew something was wrong and I just didn't know what it was. And I heard a voice say, you have cancer, get it out. And I know it wasn't in my head. It came from outside of me and I went, I need to go to the doctor. So I went back to my doctor and said, hey, something's wrong. I I really think I have cancer. And the doc says, you have a brain injury. Your brain is playing tricks on you. Here's some Valium, go away. Now my point of this story, before I get into my breast cancer story, is you must be your own advocate. You must know your body so well that no matter what some expert's going to tell you, You know if you're right or not. So let's get into this story. I knew something was wrong. My doctor didn't believe me. So I had to keep going back in. I'm a military spouse, so military hospital. And I kept going back in saying, I need to see a specialist. I need to see someone. And I get back to my original doc and said, do me a favor. Just help me sleep at night. Get a panel of tests on me. Run them all on me so that I can at least sleep knowing that I don't have something wrong with me. And he said, okay, fine. We'll run panels. We'll, we'll do a mammogram. I go through all of it. Go through the mammogram, nothing. But here's the magic part. The tech who was there, who gowns you up, who does all that mammogram thing for you, she was paying attention. So as I was cleaning myself up, she noticed that there was blood on the napkin that I was wiping off my nipple. And she said, is that blood? And I said, yeah, I told my doctor all this has been coming out of me. And he said he couldn't get it out of me, so it must not be true. And she says, that's not good. So she brought me in to see the uh, the MRI doc. And he said, I don't I don't want to freak you out. He says, it's a, it's a really rare disease to have. He says, but I think you have something called Pageant's disease of the breast. Don't panic. It might just be dry skin. You live in Colorado. He says, but what's coming out of you doesn't seem right. If anything changes in the next 30 days, I want you to go in and tell the doc, I told you that it's pageant's disease, the breast. Well, within 20 days, what looked like a liquid coming out of my nipple turned out to be black goo. It looked like tar and it started coming out and it was eating my areola. And I went to that they wouldn't let me see a doctor. They brought me to a nurse practitioner. And she said, it's just dry skin, welcome to Colorado. And she kept giving me an ointment. Every 30 days I'd go in and she'd give me a new ointment. And I said, listen, lady, I am dying. And if you don't help me, you are going to be responsible for my death. I am dying. She wrote in my file that I was irate and I was delusional and that I wouldn't take, I wouldn't take her whatever, her advice but I'm telling you when you see something coming out of you the way it was coming out of you and you're a 48 year old woman and they're telling you that it's milk ducts and you probably have a clogged milk duct I haven't had a kid for 20 years something's wrong well this my blessing was it's a military doctor she is a military nurse she was deploying and she told me okay okay when I come back from my deployment if you're still having this issue then I'll send you to a specialist but until then I'm not going to waste the doc's time with someone who has dry skin. I said fine, when you leave? I learned in order to save my life I could lie and lie well. So I smiled at her while she told me all the things I knew were not true and when she left I called her office the day I knew she deployed and I said hi. She must have forgot to send my my referral up to see a dermatologist. I mean, it was the first, first thing that came to my mind, a dermatologist, because um, she was so excited about her deployment. Can you get me into that appointment? And, oh my gosh, we're so sorry that we forgot to do it. Here, October 31st, 2016. I walk into a dermatologist office and she says, I don't know what you're doing here. I'm a skin doctor, not a breast doctor. You've been complaining about your breasts for six months. And I said, actually, I've been complaining for eight. It took me two months just to get in. And she said, well, since you took so, I mean, you went through so much effort to get to me, I'll let you see it, I'll, I'll come see you. Well, my daughter's with me because my whole right side of my body has shut down. I can't move my right, my right arm. If you think of all the nerve endings that are in your breast and they're being attacked by something, I couldn't move. So my daughter undressed me. My daughter put that robe on me from the hospital that you wear, the hospital cam. I couldn't close it because it was hurting me so bad that anything touching my skin put me in agony. The doctor walks into the room before the door even shuts. I hear, oh dear God, you have cancer. Boom, door shuts behind her and I start crying. She says, I am so sorry. I didn't mean to tell you it that way. I I just, I've been complaining to the nurses that you're wasting our time. I'm so sorry. And I said, "I'm not crying because I have cancer. I knew I had cancer. You, none of you, listened to me. I'm crying because finally someone's listening to me, and I was right. You must be your own advocate." The dermatologist opens this book, and she says, "Paget's disease of, of the breast attacks about one percent of people with breast cancer." It's so rare that none of us really see it in person. We only see it in pictures in books from third world countries. So they really have no concept of it. And I said, wait a minute, there are other women like me getting diagnosed with something like this or worse, not getting diagnosed with something like this because you think it's dry skin? She said, yes. I said, call in every doctor you've got. Everybody come look. Everyone come look because you know, I mean, I'm a strong, hard-headed, very opinionated woman, and I was having difficulty in my mind fighting a medical anybody. I didn't want to go against what they were saying, but I knew they were wrong. Think if they did that to someone else who said, okay, they've got a doctor, it's oh, okay, and they backed off, they'd be dead. The dermatologist said, Michelle, I don't know how to tell you this, but anyone diagnosed with Paget's disease dies within 12 months of diagnosis you've been complaining for eight months? I said, yeah, she says, you've got three months. And I went, oh, what can we do? She says, I can't just put you on the top of the list. There's a list of people who are getting surgeries. We have to get you through every test, all of this. So they rushed me through every test, everything they could possibly do. That's what their plan was. Well, she's a dermatologist. So she had to send me to the surgeon. Surgeon they walked me in the next morning to see the surgeon and the surgeon says oh yeah that's pageants but I can't just say it we have to do a biopsy. I said well what does that entail? I'm thinking it's a needle right. <laughs> she says we have to cut your areola off. She says but here's the thing we don't have a clean room we can't do it. We, we need to wait for an opening in the hospital in order to do it. I said listen you're telling me I have three months And I have to run a whole panel of tests before you'll ever operate, but you have to wait for a room to just cut off my areola. Yes, I'm going to die in three months if we don't get this off. I said, then cut it off now. And she said, what? I said, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to get an infection, which I already have, and I'm going to die, which you're already telling me. Cut it off now. She says, let's do it. So in the room that they do your blood pressure cuff and take your temperature, they put in 15 needles, numbed my breast, and I watched them cut my areola off. Why? Because I've been battling with this pain for over eight months. I've watched this thing eating me from the outside in, and I knew it was what was killing me. And I told the surgeon, and she's like, you're the bravest lady I've ever seen to do this. I said, no, it's just that I know what's killing me. We need to get it off. And she's, "Well." Here's the other thing that you need to think about. With Patton's disease of the breast, if it's in one breast, what it basically is, it's the outward manifestation of, a, of another cancer. So we have to do a biopsy to find out what kind of cancer it is, to find out where in your body it is, and then we have to remove that too. And then once we do that, within 12 months, it will jump into your other breast and do the same thing. And the next time you won't be so lucky. I said, so where's this discussion? And she says, you need to decide if you want us to take one breast, two breasts. I said, that's not a discussion. If you're telling me I've got less than three months and then possibly right after that 12, take them both. Take them now. So she did the biopsy and we lined up when we thought all the test results from the biopsy would come back. And we lined every appointment, every scan, every MRI, everything back to back. And we ended up having my scheduled double double mastectomy on the 19th of December, 2016. Tomorrow is my four year anniversary of losing my breast. (laughs) Yay! Guess what? I made it past the three months. So here's the thing. You must be your own advocate. Do not believe everything people tell you because just because you're part of a statistic, they're giving you the range. It is not a fact. There's people on the bottom of the range. There are people on the top of the range. And if you're someone out there who says it's still a range, then choose to be on the top of that range. They also told me I had a five-year mark to have my cancer fully blown again. Well, I'm approaching that five-year mark and I refuse to admit that it would ever come back. So here's my other thing. I am still in my journey of breast cancer because they still haven't found the origin cancer that this entire pageant's disease thing is linked to. So they're watching me, waiting for it to pop up its head. And I told the docs, the oncologists, most amazing people, I mean. I, if you look back at anything I do, michellemoros.com, you'll see me on my TEDx. I did that TEDx October 2015. I'm over 300 pounds in that picture, in that video. By 2016, I'm about 220 when I started my cancer journey, and now I am here. I changed how I live. I stopped taking on everyone else's problems. I stopped encompassing all the bad in the world. And I started encompassing more good. I learned how to pray, meditate and take care of me first so that I can be the best version of me and feel when something's wrong in my body. We can control what we do in our worlds and we don't have to crumble because the world tells you, you must crumble. And remember when you get something like breast cancer or anything diseasy like this, where people say, you're gonna die. You're gonna lose people you think are your friends. Remember it's okay because there's another purpose for you and there's something you're supposed to grow about. My entire circle of friends and everyone else around me has lost, left, come back, you name it. It's a circle. I've even lost family members. It's okay because I am here and I'm stronger and I'm here to help other people like you realize that it doesn't matter. Nothing what happens to you defines you. It's how you decide to choose that defi- definition. I wrote a book called It's Not Luck Overcoming You because I wrote my, through my pain how to get through all the insecurities of why me? What, what did I do in my world? Is karma coming after me? I mean, all those things that come through your mind, push them out because you are amazing. You are strong. And you are meant to be on this planet to fight and to be the best version of you and be the light when other people can't be. Thank you so much for hearing my story. And remember, you must be your own advocate. I loved my surgical team, but the people to I had to get through to get to that surgical team, you own you. You know you. Be the best version of you. And be. have a wonderful Merry Christmas, by the way.
1: <laughs> my time is up. Thank you so much. Here we go. I'm
10: on my way.
1: So proud of you, Michelle. Thank you. Just the energy that you have. You have an amazing story. I've met you on other panels and man, woman, you are on the move. We're so proud of you and congratulations tomorrow marking your anniversary. Oh my goodness. In 2020, we talk about statistics and an estimated 276,480 new cases of invasive breast cancer are expected to be diagnosed in women in the U.S., along with 48,530 new cases of non-invasive breast cancer. My goodness. Our next panelist we have joining us today, Dr. Wendy Labatt, financial healer an award-winning entrepreneur, strategist, speaker, and best-selling author. She has her Doctor of Business Administration, a degree in entrepreneurship, and over 36 years of experience as an entrepreneur. She's the CEO of Financial Cures, LLC, a financial strategy and business development firm. She also serves as the founder and CEO of Ascend Foundation, Incorporated. It's a 501c3 nonprofit organization established to empower disadvantaged women to realize their dreams of entrepreneurship. An amazing journey. Thank you so much for joining us.
11: And thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I usually tell a different story than what I'm going to tell today because the platform is a bit different, but I do want to start with um, the beginning of a journey that turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Uh, In 2014, uh, the Affordable Care Act mandated that everybody have health insurance. So I I expanded my business to include insurance and financial services. Uh, And I don't want to be a hypocrite, so I bought all the products and services I was trying to sell to my clients. And. fast forward to and I did it from a business and marketing perspective is that strategy not from a personal financial planning and I just want to mention that because in 2017 you know I have my annual and it turned out to be semi-annual mammograms so this last one I had in 2017 they said, okay, we see something, we want to do a biopsy. So I'm like, okay, let's schedule it. And I, and I thought right then, whatever it is, and I even told the radiologist, whatever it is, you know, good or bad, I'm nipping it in the bud. So he said, Well, your results will be back in about three days. So three days later, I called the radiology department, try to get my results, and they said I had to get it from the ordering physician. So I called my physician's office to see if I could get my results. So the uh, receptionist said, well, you have to schedule an appointment to, you know, get your results. And I said, okay, let's do that. And then about, they put me on hold, and about a minute later, the office manager gets on the phone saying, well, she doesn't schedule appointments to discuss results. I said, well, how am I going to get my results? You know, I need to get them. I need to know what's going on. She said, well, you can come by the office and pick them up. So I said, well, okay, you know, I'll be there in like 10 minutes. So I got to the office, they handed me an envelope that was sealed, that had my results in it. So I left the office and I went to my car and I opened the envelope and it said carcinoma. So, you know, I have a degree in biology, so I know carcinoma means cancer. And at that moment, I had a sense of peace come over me signaling to me that it wasn't a death sentence but it also signaled that it wasn't going to be a, a you know an easy journey but then I'm like well where do I go from here who do I talk to and I knew I couldn't go back in that office because they if they couldn't tell me about the results knowing that they were positive and I had breast cancer I wasn't about to go back and subject myself to them again so I had a, a friend and colleague uh, who was a breast cancer, who I call Conqueror. So I called her up and I told her, I said, I just got my uh, biopsy results, I got cancer, and you know, give me the number of your oncologist because I need to schedule something. So she gave me their number and I immediately called and tried to schedule an appointment, but the uh, advocate said, look, just send me your results and then we'll talk. So I said, well, I'm on my way home, I'll fax them to you and then you know, I look forward to hearing back from you. So as soon as I fax the results and about five minutes later, I get a call from that office and they tell me um, to schedule an appointment. So I was like, okay, so they took all my personal and insurance information, but she said, well, we don't take that insurance. She said, but give me a minute and I'll call you back. So a few minutes later, I got a call back from her. And she said, look, call this number, ask for this lady and she's waiting to hear from you. So I called and it was to an infamous cancer center here in Atlanta and I called and they had me scheduled to see an oncologist within three days. So I'm like, okay. So uh, in the meantime, I didn't know anything about breast cancer other than what I had seen on TV, you know, commercials for different, you know, medication. But I called my friend back to say, look, you know, I'm going to an appointment with an oncologist on Monday and I'd like to kind kind of sit with you and hear about your journey. So she said, sure, come on over. So she, you know, I went over, we sat and talked, drank some coffee and she showed me all of her scars from the multiple botched surgeries she had. And she said, I said, well, what about your chemo and all that? She said, well, I didn't go through chemotherapy, you know, because her, she had a different cancer from me. And and I didn't know what cancer I had at the time. I just knew it was breast cancer. So, I said, well, look, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, but she has this beautiful hair. And I'm like, well, I don't want to lose my hair. You know, (laughs) she said, well, I didn't lose any of my hair, but I didn't have chemo. I had a little radiation. I had all these surgeries, as you can see. So I said, okay. So I went back home and I researched about cancer, you know, breast cancer, about, you know, what entailed about the surgical options, about the reconstructive options. I wanted to be prepared for my appointment with the oncologist. So when it was time for me to meet the oncologist, I said, okay, I went in there, I said, look, I don't, you know, I want to have a double mastectomy, I don't want chemo, I don't want radiation, I just want to get them off, you know, and she was so cute. She said, well, uh, Miss Labatt, I know what you want, but I'm going to tell you what's best for you, and then she kind of really put me in check because I was determined that's what I wanted. And she explained everything, you know, from the type of cancer I had, which was the most aggressive, to the treatment options that I could take, which I chose the most aggressive. And, you know, it was just enlightening. So before that, when I found out I had the cancer, I called my husband in the parking lot from the doctor's office saying, look, I got my biopsy results, you know, I got breast cancer. And I knew at that time I had to be strong for me as well as for my family, because I didn't want a pity party. I didn't want them, you know, all pitiful and sorry. So when I told each of my children, you know, which they've grown, my daughter took it a little hard, but my sons, they were fine until they saw me, Then they took it hard. My husband, you know, he took it okay until, you know, it was all over. And I didn't tell people at church, you know, when I stopped going. I didn't really want people to know, not because I was hiding it, but I didn't want to deal with their reactions. So um, when I started my chemo, I, you know, they told me, okay, it's going to be chemotherapy every three weeks for a year. And I ended up having five surgeries with all the, you know, mammograms and, you know, uh, CAT scans, all the scans that go with it. So I was like, okay you know, everything was going fine, I was losing my hair, you know, body was frail, I was weak, and I was telling my husband, you know, I said, well, let me see what I got here, I knew medical insurance wasn't an issue, I knew whatever I needed, they were going to pay for it, and then I said, well, let me see what else I got, I bought all this stuff, you know, a couple years ago, let me see what, what I've got, Come to find out, I had supplemental coverage that not only paid that $67,000 every three weeks, which totaled over a million dollars for the whole chemo treatment, and over 300,000 with all the medical expenses with the surgeries and the scans, I also had supplemental coverage that brought me multiple six-figure tax-free income that allowed me to focus on my recovery instead of worrying about money. My business was fine because my you know, employees, they knew how to handle things. You know, My ha- husband and my kids handled the personal. So I didn't have to worry about any of that. And I figured, okay, as, as I you know, went through it, it was okay because all I had to do was focus on my recovery. But one thing I was going through that was a little difficult. I was working on my doctorate degree. I was at the final stage. I was about to do my oral defense. And fortunately for me, one of my uh, chairs, she was a breast cancer conqueror. So she said, Wendy, I hope you don't quit, because you're right here at the end. It's like, quit. I am not about to quit. I put all this time in. I am about to finish this degree. And I got through that with suffering from chemo brain. And I don't know if you guys have suffered that, but you can't remember what you're gonna say, what you just said, or what you're gonna think about saying. So it was I had to, you know, have copious notes to get through it, but I got through it, and I was like, okay, I just need to finish this up, so once I got that approval, that final approval that my study was, you know, completed, I was graduating, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, you know, that was the last worry that I had, And it wasn't really a worry, but that was the last thing I had to check off my list, so I said, okay, it's a difficult journey, but I'm going through it. Everything's fine. My family, they were waiting to see how I responded to the whole situation. And the fact that I responded with very little emotion, mainly because I'm just not an emotional person, but I knew I had to be strong to go through this journey. So I just recently was you know told my story in a book and an anthology and the editor was saying great story but where's the emotion it's like well I don't know I just don't have it's not emotional for me during the journey and even now but one thing that was emotional for me Was that last chemo uh, treatment where you ring the bell (laughs) and all that emotion just came pouring down? You know, that's when I got emotional because that's when I realized this whole chemo thing is over. My body can start recovering again. I can try to, you know, get my hair back, my weight back, you know, and it really just kind of poured out over me. And, but that was, you know, just the good cry I needed for, you know, going through this whole journey. So I'm like, okay, you know, and I thank the Lord for, you know, seeing me through and for also, you know, helping me to be able to have the financial wherewithal because of, you know, I practice what I preach and I wasn't a hypocrite trying to sell people stuff that I didn't have myself. And that's when I was able to. Well, get out of my comfort zone. I was in it and I said, okay, Lord, I'm fine. I'm healthy. You know, money's no problem. Business is flowing. And he said, no, you're not going to stay in this comfort zone. You're getting out. You're going to empower other people to position themselves to keep from letting one illness or injury ruin them financially. Because if I would have had to pay those chemo bills and those surgery, surgery and medical expenses, I could have been ruined financially. But instead, I was able to go through that journey. I wrote a book. I'm speaking about it, and I'm trying to get people to understand the importance of having the proper protection. And it's not that I'm trying to sell them anything. You know, we just finished open enrollment, but I tell people my story because I want them to realize, you know, nobody in my family had breast cancer. You know, I had my mammogram all the time. I never thought that would be, uh, you know, a diagnosis for me. But the fact is, we're going through a pandemic. I'm high risk because of the cancer, because my body is, is coming back. But it's still, i got some weaknesses that need to be, you know, taken care of. And, you know, don't take your good health for granted. Because things can happen. You know, God will call you through a journey that you never thought you would go through. But he will see you through it and it's all about your attitude. You know, everyone I spoke with that had, that were, I don't call myself a a survivor, I call myself a conqueror, because I am a breast cancer conqueror. Yes, I had a double mastectomy, but that's because I don't want to deal with this anymore. I've conquered this disease, and that's it, you know, I'm not going there again, and if God chooses me to go through there again, I will, but you know, I just know that He's gonna see me through. So I just wanna encourage everyone to just have that right attitude. If you gotta have a pity party, have it, but don't stay there. You know, don't try to be strong for other people, be strong for yourself. And when you need to just, you know, just thank the Lord every day for allowing you to go through the journey and come out on the other side because you will come out on the other side. And if it means that you come out on the other side in eternity, hey, that's that's great. You're there with the Lord, but if you're, if you're still here on earth with the rest of us, just share your journey and encourage other people, empower them to stay positive, to know that it's gonna be all right. Not that it's gonna be perfect, but you will come out on the other side. So I just wanna say I am a conqueror. Um, I just wanna thank everyone that came before me because I can relate to something in each of their stories, you know, to be, you know, take care of yourself. You, something good will come out of it. You have to be your own advocate because you can't count on others, especially doctors. And I know because of my situation, don't wait on the doctor to do anything, you know. you, you see that the doctors would tell you what they want to tell you for their situation, not necessarily because of what's there for your situation. So thank you, Gigi and thank you for this platform and I appreciate everyone and stay strong. You are more than a conqueror. Thank you, Dr. Wendy.
1: Dr. Wendy, this is for you.
10: On my way.
1: Amazing. Thank you. I think the biggest takeaway for me listening to you was that everybody goes through these things differently. You know, just because it doesn't look like we're not showing emotion doesn't mean that we don't have it inside of us. And so it's so important for us to pay attention to people in our lives that are going through trauma and experiencing pain to just be there and find out how we can support. Thank you so much for sharing that today. Thank you. In women under 45, breast cancer is more common in black women than in white women. Overall, black women are more likely to die of breast cancer. For Asian, Hispanic, and Native American women, the risk of developing and dying from breast cancer is lower statistically. Today, our next panelist, I am so honored to introduce you, Dr. Angelica Benavides. Best-selling author, global transformational leader, you are the founder of Heal to Write Bootcamp, where authors heal, write, and get clear on their message while creating their story brand. You are also a breast cancer survivor. Thank you so much for joining and sharing today.
12: Oh, thank you so much for having me here. It's I'm honored uh, because this is uh, the biggest challenge of my life, as it has been for those that have shared and will continue sharing their stories. Um, my journey started uh, back in 2012. Um, I was doing Zumba, and my intestines twisted. Six inches of my intestines Twisted, and I had nobody to take me to the hospital. I had to go to the neighbors and say, "I'm feeling sick. Take me to the emergency clinic." And they're like, "You look awful. We're taking you to the hospital." They rushed me to the hospital, and uh, I, I I was there for three days. And they finally they cut three pieces of my intestines because they twisted, and. During that struggle, the next year it was like um, my dog uh, had uh, had cancer, and just like many, we all have this uh, GPS, internal GPS, you know. And I was having dreams of me kind of, um, kind of getting like warning signs through water and. And even my loved ones that have passed away were showing up in my dream. And then my dog was having cancer and I wasn't feeling sick other than that experience I had with my intestines. And, and then I just went to the doctor and had, you know, um, I had my breast checked and then they told me I had cancer. So that was in 2013. And like many, you try to save your movies, right? (laughs) You try to save your babies and you're like, I don't want to lose them because in my eyes and in my perspective, cancer happened to other people and it happened in movies, but it never happened to me until it happened. So um, it was like, I was in shock. You know, it was like, I, I just, it, it was like, I was in a daze. I wasn't accepting what was happening to me. Um, so at the moment when they told me the type of cancer I had, I had two types of cancer, HERS2 positive, which is a hormonal because of your hormonal imbalance and uh, carcinoma in situ on one of my breasts. So I went ahead and decided just to have a lumpectomy, right? But they were suggesting that I have a double mastectomy and it was like, it was like, no, you know, I mean, as women, we feel that this is who, what represents our female energy or female being, right? And um, so I struggled through it and I had three lumpectomies And at the end, it was like, we can't get to the negative margins. You know, now it was in the nipple area and it was like, whoa, you know. So I was going through chemo, I went through radiation and um, my son, one of my sons, my oldest was like, mom, he's like, if you die, I'm going to be so mad because I didn't want to go through it. It was like, I'll just do alternative medicine this is too much for me. I didn't want to go through that. Because you see, cancer doesn't make you sick. It's the radiation and the chemo and and being in the hospital that makes you feel awful. (laughs) So it was like, I don't want to go through it. And he's like, I'm going to be so mad. So I did go through the double mastectomy. And it ended up that I was in the hospital for like every year, every November, December, I was in the hospital two to three times for about four or five years. And so it was just bad only like my whole life tumbled down, down right? My husband left with another woman. Um, and it was at the beginning when I was starting to get sick um, that he left. Um, my finances, everything like just tore down. I didn't want to work. That wasn't even my focus. Um, I lost two of my homes. Um, uh, it was just like, I had to go through five steps and it was acceptance, you know, just accepting what was happening to me because that was my reality. Right. But what I have to say is that it was bigger than just accepting. It was becoming detached to that reality and just meditating and going within. I did a lot of meditation. I sat within and just detached from the circumstance. They had told me that somebody with the, that type of cancer that I had would live five years without any treatments. So I made sure that that wasn't something I was going to accept as being my reality. right? Um, And then intuition has always been part of me. I've always followed my internal GPS. So I would go within and I would ask, you know, what my medicine kit should be. And at the time I was guided to find, um, you know, one of the thoughts was oxygen. I was like, oxygen, like, what, what do you mean by oxygen? So the next, time I went in into prayer, it was like um, Tesla, right? So I Googled Tesla and oxygen. He created a device that is ozone therapy. And I looked on the internet like, what is ozone therapy? So I looked everywhere. I finally found uh, a little town next to me that's called desoto that did ozone therapy. And all the time I would go to chemo, I would go to my ozone therapy like two, three days later, and I would be so gray and so paled, but after the ozone therapy, my color would come back, you know, and I lost my hair and that was like losing my superpowers, right, and it was like devastating, my both boys, Jorge and Diego, they bawled themselves in the middle of the night, came to wake me up and tell me that it was time to cut my hair. And it was like, ah, right? So um, there were difficult moments, like you go through different phases when you're going and dealing with cancer. But it was faith, like you have to have faith. You have to have faith. That you have um, an inner healer, that something bigger than you lives inside you. And you have to trust it and you have to really go within and find the answers. And every answer that I was looking for, I found. And I followed every guidance. You know, I was going through bankruptcy and, you know, my guide, my, you know, I call it God. You know it was like move out from your house because it was very stressful trying to make the payments and i did move out and then when i was going through bankruptcy i kind of gave up my house too and then my inner guidance was like go back home i was like what i just signed my house away right But, but it was following, like trusting that GPS, that internal GPS, God, trusting it and and saying, okay, I trust you. And I came back home and I took the medicine that I was told to take and, and uh, I practiced mindfulness. And then I witnessed, I witnessed the miracles that were happening in my life. And every time I witnessed like, saving my home, and finding the right medicine for my medicine kit bag, it was like, okay, I'm on the right track, right? And and then knowing that the deeper I went, I knew that the deeper I was going to serve people, and I was going to be able to help solve bigger problems, and I was going to be able to to dive deep, if I dive deep inside me, I could do it for others. So then I found my purpose, right? Like I had to rewrite my own um, life because what you're living is not yours anymore. It's like you have to tear that old you off and then recreate who you want to become. So one of the things that I can tell you is that um, I'm the Midas queen of my own life, that everything I touch, I can turn into gold in my life. And I feel that you can do the same thing. If you are experiencing cancer, you can transform your life in so many ways. If the doctors tell you that you have two months, that you have a year to live, like It's up to you if you accept that truth for yourself. But I'm telling you, don't accept it, you know, because there is a bigger truth inside inside you that lives, that you have to really dive deep inside it and and get in touch with it, claim it, you know, claim that brilliant you that lives inside you. And then claim your strong feminine energy because your breast, your hair doesn't make who you are. You know, it's your soul, your divine soul. So get in touch with that divine part of you. That once you do that, I mean, magic happens. This beauty begins to be born and you are here for something bigger and it is to touch many, many lives. So I encourage you and I challenge you to really dive into that diva that you are, that powerful diva, Um, and don't be afraid to step into that powerhouse, you know, that powerful you, um, because you were born to be a powerhouse. You were born to be something big and um, nothing happens by accident. It is only here to shape us to who we need to become. So, um, you know, connect with me and I will keep you in my prayers and I will uh, send you all the love and energy that you need. Um, And uh, thank you again for having me here, Gigi and Lakeisha. Melanie, I love your energy. And I feel blessed every time that I come on your platform. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Dr. Angelica.
1: And here's the bell. So wonderful. Thank you so much. I think, you know, I'm writing so many notes from all of you today. And And I hear you say, find your inner spirit, your inner beauty, your inner soul, because that's really what God created us to do, is to share that inner beauty. And thank you so much for sharing today. Powerful, powerful. It brought me back to the next statistic. I think this is really important. And we talk about hormone replacement therapy. And it says breast cancer incidence rates in the U.S. began decreasing in the year 2000 after increasing for the previous two decades. They dropped by 7% from 2002 to 2003 alone. One theory is that this decrease was partially due to the reduced use of hormone replacement therapy after the results of a large study called the Women's Health Initiative that were published in 2002. These results suggested a connection between hormone replacement therapy and increased breast cancer risk. In recent years, the incidence rates have increased slightly by just 0.3% per year. Now I'd like to introduce our next panelist. Pat Alvacraker is the author and number one bestseller, Catherine's Quest, One Woman's Journey to Elation. She has numerous accolades including a recognition as an award-winning business strategist, Women of Color by Leadership Texas, and the Hispanic Women's Network of Texas. She is also the co-host of the Town Square Talk Show. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story.
0: You're muted.
13: There you go. Thank you, Melanie and Gigi. It is a pleasure to be among such strong leaders and advocates that are just encouraging and lifting us up. The day after my diagnosis, I stood up in my bed. I put my feet down and I started crying. And I cried until I was empty. And then I said, I will not die from cancer. I will not die from cancer. I believed it then and I believe it now. And it's been 26 years. I am a cancer thriver. So how did I do that? I'm gonna share three steps that I used through my journey that can be used whether you're going through the cancer or any other illness or any other disease that you can just embrace. So take out your pencil and pen, I want you to take notes because this is going to be transformational. Number 1, you are responsible for your health. Your healing starts from in here. And it's a mind, body and soul healing. It's just not a physical healing. So I knew that I had to take responsibility for myself. You know when you go to the doctor, the doctor's going to tell you you should do a b and c. Your spouse is going to tell you, you should do A, B, and C, your family, your community, and you're going to get all this input of what it is that you should do to heal yourself. And the truth is you're the only one that knows. You're the only one that knows. You have to make the decisions among the options that are available to you and take responsibility on which path you're going to go down for me. I went down chemo and the and radiation I took those two and I also went down the alternative medicine. 26 years ago alternative medicine really isn't wasn't in the forefront like it is today. So my family said you're doing what? Alternative medicine what is that? I know I don't know anything about that. I don't think you should do that. And so they started questioning my path, my healing path. And I stood in my power and I said, you know what? It's my journey. I'm gonna do the chemo and the radiation and I'm gonna do alternative medicine. And I know you don't understand it and it's okay, but I'm responsible for healing myself. And so I just threw myself into alternative medicine. I learned about aromatherapy. I became a Reiki master. I used energy medicine and I just put together a healing path for myself. Because I knew that if I was to heal, it was going to be responsible, I was going to be the one responsible. So I've been a follower of Louise Hay. She believes in healing your body. She's an amazing speaker and author. And, you know, I went to her book because I knew deep inside that there was an underlying lesson that I needed to learn from this experience. Because just like Dr. Angelica said, it's not a, it's not an accident that you got cancer it's not an accident that i experienced cancer so i wanted to understand the why what can i learn from this experience cuz i don't want to repeat it so what i found that breast cancer is associated with overgiving overgiving which also means lack of self care so absolutely i was an overgiver i gave to my family to my friends the community to work you you name it i did it And I was on the bottom of the list. And I said, okay, I get it. I hear you. I need to make some different decisions. So from that point on, I started changing my priorities. And I started aligning myself with self-care practices. And I learned how to say no. I took things off my plate. And I began to be consistent about taking care of myself. So that book, You Can Heal Your Life, will give you the underlying uh, sole reason as to why the disease has happened. And so I started addressing that as well as my attitude. And there was one thing that I was told to, that was told at the hospital, and this is step number two, is that your healing is based on your attitude. It's 99% of your attitude that's going to heal you. And I'm like, thank God I'm a positive thinker because it's true. I mean, you can either believe that you're living your life with your glass half full or half empty. Which one are you, right? Because when you get a disease, whatever it is, whether it's breast cancer or something else, you have to have a positive attitude that you can heal yourself. If you believe you can or you can't, guess, guess what? You're right, you're right. So attitude is everything. Having that positive attitude that you can heal yourself And uh, you have it within you to do that. I totally believe with what many of the speakers have said is that you have to have that that connection. And not only do you have to have that positive attitude and you have to believe and you have to make those decisions. You have to become your own advocate. Because you know what? You're going to have those days when you wake up and you are just like devastated. It's like it was the first day that you learned you had cancer and you're... All over again in this level of uh, desperation and maybe playing the the role of the victim. And so you have to have that kit for yourself is how am I gonna be an advocate for myself when I have that day where I just wanna give up, where I just I just wanna cry, where I just and and where I'm just tired, I just don't wanna do it anymore. You have to have that kit that's gonna get you going to help you become your own personal advocate. And one of those things that's in your kit is you have to be able to ask for help. You have to have someone to come in and clean your house and go buy the groceries and wash the clothes. You have to be able to receive so that you can focus on yourself and be the advocate and take responsibility. It's gonna be really important. So I wanna share a few things that I did to help me become my own advocate and have that little kit that would help me. And one of those is being still. And Dr. Angelica talked about that, about being going, going within and connecting, even if it's just for a minute, just being still and allowing spirit to speak to you. Another tool is journaling. There is so much healing in writing. It is unbelievable. I am an avid journal, journalist. Journal, I love to journal and I do it every day. And just really writing down those feelings because so there are some feelings that you may not wanna share with others. You know, that you have to have an outlet somewhere and let it be in your writing. Express what's coming up in your heart and in your soul that needs to be expressed in your writing. And also be in a point of gratitude. Because no matter how bad it seems, there's, there is something to be grateful for. So three things that you're grateful for. Right? These are things that you can just, when you wake up, just immediately just think, what am I grateful for? You know, I'm grateful that I have great support in my family. You know, I'm grateful that I have great doctors. I'm I'm grateful that I have people that will take me to my treatments. So gratitude. Gratitude, journaling, going in. And the other thing that I would say is that you see yourself being healed. The power of visualization is amazing. It's to see yourself being healed, doing everything that you want to do going out and shopping and being with your friends and having coffee and being with kids. See yourself doing all of that. See yourself. And then affirmations. My favorite affirmation was, I get better every day in every way. I get better every day in every way. And that is the one affirmation that I said to myself. I get better every day in every way. Create your own little medicine kit. From a mind, body, and soul perspective. Take responsibility. Have that amazing, positive attitude to get you through it. We can all heal ourselves. It's in our DNA to be able to do that. We just need the courage to do it. And the fact is, we are courageous people. You may have to dig a little deeper to find that courage. But you have it in you to heal yourself. God bless, Pat Al Creeker, 26 year cancer thriver. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Pat. Oh, what
1: encouraging words today. Thinking about all the things that we need to learn as we grow older too, right? This statistic talks about genetics. And so about 85% of breast cancers occur in women who have no family history of breast cancer. These occur to genetic mutations that happen just as a result of the aging process. So we need to remember this positive attitude. We can't just have it when we're young. We need to have it to survive and thrive. So proud of these women. I'm going to ring the bell one more time. Let's keep it going. Oh my goodness. Our next panelist, Michelle Hoskins, Wow, a former educator, professional leadership development trainer, and motivational speaker for more than 29 years. Currently, Michelle and her husband, Paul, are urban air adventure park franchisees who have two parks in San Antonio and are planning to open an additional park and coffee shop late in 2021 after COVID, right? (laughs) Michelle is also a licensed minister, former, former McDonald's franchisee, author, co-author of two books, Motivational Speaker, College Professor, and Active Community Leader. Michelle recently launched another company, Maintain Momentum. She's starting a podcast, blog, and near completion of her book, Love That Works, Works. Michelle is very competent in establishing goals, developing strategic action plans, and executing plans for running successful operations to benefit all. Michelle, welcome and thank you so much for sharing your story today.
8: Well, thank you and thank you, Gigi, and everybody else that's been on the call so far. Just one second, we got a little bit of feedback here. Are we good now? Okay, my technical engineer is over there fixing this. So. That's my husband but I'm really happy to be here today and I've, I'm totally touched by the stories we've heard so far which have just been amazing. Um, my journey is just a little different because my first exposure to breast cancer was with my mom and 10 years ago she was diagnosed with breast cancer and what's really interesting about this whole breast cancer uh, journey for me is that even though she was diagnosed when I had my testing mine is not genetic um, it, which is really kind of complicated but we'll talk about that in just a little bit but In March of 2020, this year, um, my life was great. It was great. You've heard uh, my my bio uh, just a few minutes ago. Uh, Things were just wonderful and I was at a place where I could really focus on doing some things for myself. My my twins were about to be teenagers. My husband um, was taking over the business and I was in the process of launching into something I was having a selfish moment. I can say I was having a selfish moment and thinking about what could I do that would bring me joy? Well, the bad part about that is menopause hit. I decided my body decided to start going through menopause and I'm like, oh my God, you got to be kidding right now. We're going to go through menopause as you know, I'm getting my energy back and I'm really excited about all this other stuff. Well, I got the treatment for the menopause, got my mojo back. It was all good. Then COVID hit. Our business was shut down. Um, I had entered a, a period of rest and rejuvenation, which was really good because I've, I've, I've been working since I was age 14, so I never took any time off except for the, you, you know, the yearly vacations that we take in corporate America, things of that nature. Well, during that period of rest and rejuvenation, I started dreaming, and I started dreaming in color. I started having very, very vivid dreams. God was speaking to me in ways that I couldn't imagine, and he was providing pieces to a puzzle that I didn't understand, and I couldn't quite put it all together. So during that time period, I started having dreams about my hair, you know, losing my hair. I started having dreams about doctor's appointments that I had never been on. I started having dreams about talking to this surgeon about various types of surgeries and being in these different facilities. And I still couldn't figure out quite what it was, but I was trusting God and I, I journaled and I just said, okay, God, I know there's something that you're telling me and there's something that you're doing in this se- in this season of my life. But you know what? I'm going to continue to focus on being selfish and, you know, starting this new company and whatnot. Well, August 4th of 2020, all that changed. That's when I had my first doctor's appointment. Um, I had my mammogram scheduled in March, which I get twice a year because of my mother's situation. And um, at that appointment, I was told that I need to come back in December because of COVID, they weren't going to do any um, mammograms. And I refused, I said, I'm not coming back in six months. I need to have my my mammogram. I, I could feel that there was a small lump in my breast and I was very, very insistent. And I'm glad I was very, very insistent because I was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer at that point, had I waited six more months. Uh, the cancer was spreading very, very aggressively. There was two tumors, one was two centimeters, one was one centimeter, and the cells had started to split. Well, had those cells continued to split, stage two could have easily become stage four, could have um, spread to my lymph nodes and other places in my body, which we didn't want to happen. So needless to say, during that time period, in a a matter of 11 days, I had two surgeries, I had um, 11 doctor's appointments, five consultations, second opinions, and I started chemotherapy. So, you can imagine how my whole life in a matter of two weeks was just literally turned upside down. My family was, we weren't devastated at all, you know, because we're praying people and we just believe in faith and that God has a plan that was much, much bigger than what we could see or what we could imagine. But what was challenging for us is just trying to understand how to put it all together so that our family wasn't totally disrupted. So, needless to say, when I sat down with my husband and I told him about it, he cried, he started crying. I don't know why he was crying. And I said to him, I remember saying to him, well, what are you crying for? I'm the one that has cancer. I'm the one that's gonna have to go through the treatment. And um, my mom, she fell apart, you know because she thought it was her fault. And I remember her saying to me, well, the reason that you have it is because of me. And I was like, well, I really don't believe that. You know, I'm not accepting that. And it was in those two conversations with my husband and with my mother that I decided I have to be very, very careful and calculated, not only who I share my story with, but how I share my story, why I share my story, and um, when I share my story. And the reason being is that people will do the woe with me. They want you to do the woe with me. I refuse to do that. And it's all about perspective. And I remember when I went to see the oncologist, And um, she, you know, she sat down and she said to me, well, this is what's going on. This is what we're going to have to do because the cancer is so aggressive. We're going to have to take some really aggressive treatment measures. And I said, okay, the way I look at it, it's like having a flat tire, a nail in my tire. I got to get to work. Let's go in, let's take it out, let's see what type of damage is done internally, and let's just move on. And I remember her looking at me like, are you kidding me? Did you hear what I just told you? I just told you you have cancer, and this is what we're going to need to do. And I was like, yeah, okay, I got cancer. Cancer doesn't have me. Let's move on. You gave me the prognosis. You gave me the diagnosis. That's not the prognosis. So for me, it was all about perspective. I was trying to keep things in perspective, not only for myself, but for my family. And as a result of that perspective, I remember going to the first chemo treatment. And I remember walking in and I was seeing these people that looked like they had no hope. They looked like, okay, this is like my last ride. This is the only thing that's gonna save my life. And I remember saying to myself, where's their faith? You know, you can't put all your faith in God. You gotta have some faith in yourself to heal, heal your body. There's things that you can do in terms of eating right, in terms of exercising, in terms of maintaining your mental faculties. And I remember saying, I am not gonna look like what I'm going through. I am determined. And so each time I went to chemo, I was dressed up and I remember I would come out of the bedroom and I would have on the first two treatments, I would have on a big summer hat like I was going on vacation. I'd have on a nice summer dress, some nice shoes, had my nails done. Um, I took advanced steps and I cut my hair off uh, initially because I knew it was going to fall out. I didn't want to have to deal with that. But still, I was able to get some wigs and do some other things so that I didn't have to worry about, well, it's gonna take me longer to get dressed now where it used to take me 15 minutes, now it takes me 30. So what, I plan ahead of time, I plan my outfits out the night before. You know, There's things that you do in terms of keeping the right perspective so that you're not stressed out because stress we already know is a killer. So I wasn't gonna deal with that. But going back to what I was saying is that I had to be careful to maintain the right perspective because what will happen a lot of times is that people will try to put things on you that you don't need to have on you. And so I was very, very careful in terms of who I shared my story with because I didn't want people people coming to me saying, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And when people did say it, I was like, why are you sorry? You know, God knows what he's doing. And I trust his plan. And I just, I gotta go through to get to, I'm no different than the other 3 million women women that have gone through cancer treatment. I'm gonna be healed, I'm gonna be cured, and I'm gonna have a testimony that I can share with others. As a consequence of this happening, Um, I started a Chemo Chronicles Facebook page, and I am just totally blown away by the number of people that go to that Facebook page, and they're looking for, not necessarily for answers to questions, but what they're looking for is they're looking for hope, and I'm able to give them hope as a result of how I live, and and as a result of my faith, and as a result of my testimony, sharing with them that there's positive things that, that will come out of this. It's just an infirmity, and if we can beat it, which I know one day there will be a cure for cancer, but if we can beat it in the interim by making sure we're taking care of ourselves and that we're following the protocol and that we're making sure that we get our mammograms and we're encouraging our men to get the mammograms as well. And that when they tell you, no, you can't have a doctor's appointment, you insist on it, especially if you have medical insurance, it's gonna make all the difference in the world. So again, I'm very grateful that I did not accept what they were telling me in terms of waiting until December to come back and get a mammogram. That cancer could be stage four. It could be in my lymph nodes had I not pushed back and said, no, I'm going to get this. So needless to say, fast forward, some people have gotten very, very offended that I don't share with them. Um, You have to be careful with who you let in your circle. You have to be careful who you share it with and why you share it and how you share it. And those that have gotten offended, I'm just like, I don't even apologize because there's no need for me to do that. That's their issue. And I'm not going to make their issue my issue. Um, There's some that have said, what can we do? How can we help you? And that has been the greatest blessing because we've had friends. I have a friend that started a meal train. I didn't even know what a meal train was. People have sent us gift cards. Um, they have sent us meals from different restaurants around the United the United States, from around the city, et cetera, et cetera. That has been the biggest blessing because my husband and I have literally had to tra- trade places. Those of you that have gone through chemotherapy, it is very, very debilitating. I had no idea how debilitating it was going to be. Um, because, you know, we as women, especially minority. Sometimes we have that superwoman badge of honor on our chest and we don't know our limitations. And I think the biggest limitation for me was when I discovered that I had no energy and I had to be put on a walker because I couldn't walk. That was the most humbling thing that I've ever had to experience in my life other than my husband giving me a shower because you know, I had no energy or getting me off the toilet. Those are some of the things that happen. Everybody's body is gonna be different in terms of how they respond to chemo. So I did not go out on Google and do research. I refused to do that. And the reason I refused to do that is that when I had my five consultations with doctors, um, from around the United States. I was really blessed to be able to do that because I have a friend that's a um, cancer oncologist and she has a sister that's a cancer oncologist in California and another one that's at Mayo Clinic. They all got together. They all got together and they assessed my situation and they talked to my doctor and they they came up with a protocol. And so you talk about seeking wise counsel. It's really, really important that you get wise counsel. Um, there's some things doctors know and there's some things that doctors don't know, but I believe God created the physician and the physician can do something Things, but it all it, it all is basically based on trust in who you believe and who you serve. So needless to say, again, going back to what I said, um, I was determined that even though I might have cancer, cancer was not going to have me. Each week when I walk into chemotherapy, I'm dressed very, very nice. And the whole tone of the entire chemo facility has totally changed. People are now dressing up some of the, cus- the the other patients that are in there. They've started to dress a little different. Last week, we all had on red Christmas sweaters. So we decided this week we're all gonna wear green. And you know, I take gifts to the staff because it's hard for the nurses too. And we have to understand they're compassionate caregivers. And being a compassionate caregiver, they don't like to see us going through what we go through. It's not easy for them as well. And so being able to take control of the situation trying to make it happy for the people that are administering chemo medicine to me was really, really important. That was my perspective. And so now what I'm seeing is that when I walk in, I feel like a movie star because they make me feel that way because I, I make them feel that way. And so what I did to take control of my situation is that I, I did the research, you know, with the doctors, I determined really fast what I could eat, what I couldn't eat, what would make me sick, what would, you know, what would agree with my body. And I just kept a journal. I just kept a journal. And I think for like three weeks straight, all I ate was ice cream cold salad because that's the only thing that I could tolerate or suit. Um, I learned that there's some drinks that I just can't drink. Anything that has sugar in it, of course, it just doesn't agree with me. So I just try to stay away from that altogether. But then again, there's times when there's certain things that my body craves. If your body craves it, just go ahead and eat it. And if you get sick from it, you just get sick from it. So needless to say, we're six months in, And um, the one hard part about all of this is that when you talk about being a cancer survivor, people don't understand the financial implications of going through what you go through. In six months, um, I've had no income because I'm not working. I'm no longer working. I've had no income, but I've had no lack because of my faith. And God has been providing in ways that I could have never, never, ever, ever imagined. Our business, because of COVID, um, is down 90%. Our sales are down 90%. Um, but again, our friends, we have friends that are providing, we get gift cards in the mail. You know, um, I'm not concerned about the holidays because we don't get caught up in the big gift exchange and all that stuff. That's not what it's about. But one thing that I can say is that through it, all of this, that, you know, we're continuing to stand on the promises of God and just truly believing that number one, I'm healed. And, um, as I'm going through all of this, I can say, I know whatever he desires for my life, it will be. I can say whatever he wants me to be, I will be, I can say wherever he wants me to go, I will go. And so the next steps for me is Basically, the twins are going on vacation, and I I have a set of twins, physical twins, human twins, but the girl twins, they're going to be going on extended vacation, and I don't feel bad about it. Uh, My mom, when she was diagnosed with cancer 10 years ago, I tried to get her to have a mastectomy. She didn't do it, and she's gone through at least four or five surgeries. Her cancer came back last year, and then she had to go back and have a mastectomy, and I was just determined, I'm not going to go through that. This is just too hard on my kids, number one. It's too hard on my husband, and it's just too hard on me physically to have to constantly Deal with the barrage of thoughts about okay is the cancer coming back you know everybody has a cancer gene in their body it's just a matter of when it materializes or how it materializes but I, i'm just really determined i don't want to have to deal with this again so i'm okay with the girls going on vacation they serve their purpose <laughs> they can go to Tata heaven and i'm totally happy with that um, I did see the surgeon just recently about the reconstruction, and I'm gonna have that surgery on January 28th. And that was um, a decision that my husband and I made together. And as a result of that, there's other things that are happening. We're gonna be starting a nonprofit Uh, foundation. We have a podcast. We have a blog that's going to be starting up called What's Next. Um, I'm sure we'll have some of you on because people really didn't know what's next. What's next in life? And sometimes we don't know, but there's certain things that we don't talk about as a people. And I, I think the days of secrecy are gone. People need help. They need people that can be real, that can be transparent, that can share their stories and just say, hey, you know what, you're not alone. And me being able to go through this with you all and you all being able to share with other people is very, 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 very valuable. And so as I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about my bucket list, being able to reinvent my message, crafting my message of where I'm going, how this has affected my life, what it's done for my children. My children were able to get a puppy out of all of this. (laughs) So they're really, really happy. But at the same time, I'm looking at the joy. I'm looking at the laughter. I'm looking at the fun that we're having, how we're taking what could have been something negative and we're turning it into something positive as a family, because there's no secrets. And even when I was diagnosed With this dreadful disease, we sat down and we talked to our children. A lot of people don't. Well, you know, our children are very, very mature, but there was it was really important for us to make sure that they understood that there's going to be times when mommy won't be able to go to certain things. She won't be able to do certain things. I can't get out of the bed on certain days because I'm sick. They understand what happens when I go to chemotherapy and when I come home, how bad I feel three days later. They get all of that. And they've been really, really instrumental in terms of my healing because the hugs that I get at night, you know, they they come in the room and they rub my little peanut head. You all have haven't seen it, but I'm totally bogged. But they come in and they rub my little head and they, you know, call me Mrs. Peanut head and we get a lot of joy out of that. But you know, it's just really, really fun to, to see how they've engaged in this entire process and how they've welcomed um, me being able to share with them in a way that I can't share with most adults. And that's the part that's most hurtful is that they understand better than anybody that you know mommy is going through this really tough time but she's going to be healed and she believes it and so my testimony of faith as I go through this journey is really important to them because I'm teaching them as well you can conquer anything you can overcome anything but you just have to believe you have to have faith and you have to believe and so we know as our in our family we know that greater is coming yeah this year has been really kind of tough it's been a season of ups and downs peaks and valleys you know but still waters run deep and when we think about that you know I put my foot in the water when you know I was was told that I have this dreadful disease but at the same time I'm not treading water (laughs) water to the other side because I know the greater is on the other side so as my bucket list continues to grow I'm really really excited about what God is going to be doing in my life how he's using us my husband and myself to reach out to other people to talk to them about what it means to be a survivor because being a survivor is more than just being on a podcast or just being on um, you know, having a blog or whatever, or just, you know, doing what we're doing here today. It also means we survive spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally. And sometimes we forget some of those other elements, but we have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves so that we can continue to take care of others. And it's okay to be selfish. It's totally okay to be selfish because it's in those selfish moments that we really find out who we are and what we're made of. I had no idea the level of resilience that I have until I started going through this and now that I've gone through it I'm able to sit back and I'm able to say wow this this serves a purpose but that purpose is long term I really don't know but God knows and we'll just wait and we'll see what unfolds as a result of it so thank you Gigi for the format for being able to share the story I look forward to sa- sharing more things as they happen and I know that I'm healed I know that I'm, cur- I'm cured I know that I'm a survivor a survivor whatever you want to call it I'm sure that I'm moving on to greater because greater is definitely coming Amen.
1: (laughs) Michelle, Michelle, amazing story, my friend. Wow. How our family has to just reach out and get to know who we are from the inside and just continue to celebrate you in every possible way and pour into others. That's the journey, right? We find out what's happening to us, and then being able to then show up for other people. I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. Stay on your journey. We're supporting you. For women in the U.S., breast cancer death rates are higher than those for any other cancer besides lung cancer. These powerful statistics all day long have reminded us that it touches so many people around us. And we need to be survivors in all parts of our life. Our next panelist, Tina Scaggenholt, here, moves audiences everywhere with the message of green bananas. <laughs> she is a managing broker in the real estate industry, serving the coastal regions of Virginia, North Carolina, and Maryland, and much sought after leadership and life coach. She is a two times breast cancer survivor. Welcome today, Tina, and thank you so much for sharing your journey.
10: Oh, thank you so much for having me here today. And Gigi, thank you so much for sharing this platform with me. I have so enjoyed the stories and the inspiration, and I know for some it's easier to share than others, but thank you all so much for sharing your story and reaching out to others that can use this help. Um, My story began actually in 2000, I was having some symptoms. I was having some breast symptoms that I would refer to as more of a burning pain. And I spoke with my general practitioner as well as my GYN for about two years about this pain, and they just kept saying, you're a 30-some-year-old woman, you're raising three sons, you have a very busy real estate career, your sons are active in everything, you're tired and you're living on caffeine, so stop drinking caffeine. And I listened to that for two years. Fast forward, in 2002, um, I finally found a lump. And I went to my general practitioner, and she said, honestly, it's probably nothing. It's probably a calcification. You have another GYN appointment in six months. You should talk to them then about uh, a mammogram. So I I left immediately, got on the phone, made phone calls. I thought, no, I'm getting a mammogram today. So I did that and uh, on a Friday, which it always seems these things happen on a Friday. On a Friday afternoon, I got a call from my doctor and she said, Tina, I'm afraid to tell you, you have breast cancer. I was diagnosed with infiltrating ductile carcinoma And I can't say I was ever sad or as some have referred to a pity party. I learned a long time ago in life, a pity party is the only party you can't leave when you want to. So I don't go to pity parties. But I was angry and I was afraid that I would not be able to to raise my three sons. So I immediately went into fight mode, was very blessed. With a dear friend who connected me with his surgeon and this surgeon and a new surgeon that he had just taken in under his wing met me at eight o'clock on a Friday night in their office and we uh, immediately began to uh, devise a plan of what we would do so surgery was scheduled that Friday night at eight o'clock to do a lumpectomy Um, I qualified for a clinical trial because of the level of aggressiveness of the breast cancer. So I elected to do that. I did chemotherapy, I did a lumpectomy, and I also did uh, radiation. And during the course of that, I learned so much about myself. I had always wanted to flip a house and invest in real estate, not just list and sell real estate. So I actually uh, flipped my first house while I was going through treatment and My oncologist said, Tina, are you sure it's a good idea to go from treatment to, you know, to painting this house and doing this? And I said, absolutely. I take this very seriously, but sir, I need you to understand one thing. I am going to pencil time into my life for this treatment, but I refuse to have to pencil in time for my life. And I never deviated from that, even on the days it was very hard. So I did uh, several rounds, 18 rounds of chemotherapy, 20 some rounds of radiation, did the lumpectomy, very, very blessed to say I continued to work through it all. I was down for about two weeks after the lumpectomy, but as far as treatment and those type of things, I would take off one or two days after the treatment and then go back to work. Um, This community of breast cancer survivors, and I'm sure cancer survivors uh, across the board, is so tight and I have gained so much strength and insight over the years since 2002 from other breast cancer survivors. But things also change sometimes when you get that second diagnosis. So 14 years later, after my first diagnosis, I was uh, diagnosed again with breast cancer. Once again, I found the lump and I wanna share with everyone, the mammogram did not pick up the lump either time. So be in touch with your body, be an advocate for yourself. I don't care what the experts say. If you know that you know something is not right about your body, then you do what you need to do. You either sit down and have that one-on-one and and be firm with your expert or find a different expert. You must be in charge of your own health care. So I was diagnosed the second time at age 52 in April of 2016. And when this doctor called, he said, Tina, I'm sorry to tell you, this time you have triple negative breast cancer. I immediately knew that with the second diagnosis, that wasn't just a fight like the first diagnosis. This is a full-on battle. So I elected to do conventional medicine as well as alternative medicine because I, quite frankly, knew nothing about nutrition. I didn't have any experience at all or knowledge of we really are what we eat. That is not just a saying, and our body is the only place we have to live. And it's so important that we take care of ourselves. And as another panelist said, sugar, cancer loves sugar. It's like gas on a fire. And, you know, I've heard so many over the years say, well, I'm going to eat what I want to eat and do what I want to do, and that's okay. But you have to understand that there's going to be a consequence for that. No, I'm not saying you can never eat sugar again in your life, but I'm saying get your own education about nutrition and how important it is, as well as stress. As far as this community goes, I am sad to say that I did lose a couple of friends in this community, and I'm just going to be real and raw with everybody here. And I hope that that's okay and acceptable. But when you are diagnosed again, when you have a second diagnosis, to some of the people in your breast cancer or cancer survival circle in general, you're no longer a success story. Matter of fact, you can almost be scary because you made it 14 years and you've been diagnosed again. And some people make that about themselves and they're like, wow, I'm 10 years out and this can happen to me again. So sadly, some of the people do fall out of the circle, believe it or not, when there's another diagnosis. Um, But this community has just been so strong, so supportive. My family has been supportive. I have by default uh, become a a coach to many through going through uh, breast cancer, surgeries, chemotherapy, radiation, and the like, and uh, that wasn't on purpose, that was just by default, but I actually have really enjoyed that, I think many of you on this panelist are probably JMTers as well, I'm also a certified uh, JMT coach and speaker, and that's its own community as well, so um, I just, I I love this group of people, I really do, but you know, with the second diagnosis, I, I learned something I didn't realize about myself from the first one, And that is after the first diagnosis, I really learned how important it is to live in the now. You know, wherever you are at the moment, be there. But I think I took that a little extreme, if you will. I was a little extreme about that because oftentimes people would invite me or girlfriends would say, hey, we're gonna go on this great cruise in six months. It's gonna be good girl fun. Would you go with us? And I'm like, are you kidding? I don't even buy green bananas. Now, I am not a pessimist by any stretch. I'm a pretty positive person, but I'm also a realist. So, you know, I just, I got got to a point where I really wasn't making long-term commitments. So really, my auto response was, I don't even buy green bananas. So when I was diagnosed the second time, just the day before uh, chemotherapy was to begin again, I was having lunch with two dear friends and one of the friends uh, as we were dispersing, said, Tina, I need a favor from you. And I said, sure, what do you need? She said, please start buying green bananas. And it just hit me that we really do need to plan our life. While it is important to, to be in the moment, wherever you are at the moment, be there. But it's also important to plan to be here, plan your life, know what you want for the rest of your life. I don't care if you're 20 years old or if you're 80 years old. You are in control and you need to have a plan of what you want the rest of your life to look like and what do you want to accomplish. So in the midst of all of that, i decided to write a book actually started pre-pandemic and finished it during the pandemic named Green Bananas. (laughs) Um, And it's it's about exactly that, learning to, to realize the importance of planning your life, and and understand that the battle's in the fear. Don't give in to the fear. Uh, The battle truly can be. I'm I'm very fortunate that I was raised by a father of faith. I'm a person of faith, so it's probably, it's not easy. I'm human no matter what, but um, I do fight fear, and I, I refuse to give in to fear, but I just want people to be mindful of that, too, and as someone else said, the worst thing you can do, whether you're Newly diagnosed, or you're afraid you're going to be diagnosed, or someone you love has been diagnosed, stay away from Dr. Google. It is very hard to keep a positive mindset when when you're doing your research through Dr. Google. So reach out to those that have been there. People... People care and people are willing to share and people are willing to help. And just know that you're never in this alone, whether you're the actual patient, whether you're the caregiver, it doesn't matter. This community is incredible and never be afraid to ask for help. I was one of those people. I was the overgiver, the overextender, that always the one that would show up on the scene when someone needs help. But I was never the one willing to accept help. And I've had to learn that about myself and I've also learned to accept help. So don't let your pride get in the way. Don't let superwoman or Superman syndrome get in the way. Be willing to accept what what you're always so willing to give. And I just want to say, I so appreciate everyone giving me the opportunity to be on this panel. I've enjoyed every single story and uh, the resiliency of this panel is absolutely amazing. So thank you so much for the opportunity to share and God bless all of you Merry Christmas. Thank,
1: thank you. you. Thank you, Tina, amazing. Yeah. Buy the green bananas, <laughs> do it, step into it. Stop waiting to plan your life, do it now. My goodness, what great takeaways. And thank you so much for sharing that heartfelt story. And you know, here we go. Thank you so, so much. Now, listen, we've heard from a lot of women, and we've also heard from a fiancé that had a painful experience and learned about love. But did you know about 22,620 new cases of invasive breast cancer are expected to be diagnosed in men in 2020? A man's lifetime risk of breast cancer is about one in 883. Astonishing. I'd like to introduce our next panelist, Michael D. Butler, CEO of Beyond Publishing, book publisher, global speaker, and media coach. Thank you, Michael, for joining us and sharing your story today.
14: Thank you, Melanie. I appreciate it. I'm so proud of everyone here. I've been listening all morning and so proud of Gigi! Wow, what what a great event! What an amazing event! I just got through listening to Tina and and Michelle and Pat and Madi this morning, and you know, it's just, just amazing to me. The in, inspirational thing. I, I like to start my day with the scripture, and the scripture that came to mind was Philippians one six, and I thought of everyone here today that's that's sharing, that's going to be sharing Daniel, Ragna, and and just everybody here today, and it says. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. And I'm hearing so many stories of hope and inspiration. And, um, you know, I, I went through a divorce 20 years ago and about 10 years ago, my son's mom, I have four sons and two grandsons. And number three said, I was flying out to South Carolina to speak at a conference. She says, let's pray with Joshua. Joshua he's having some pain. I think he's, he's growing pains or something. I'm going to take him to the doctor. And so about 12 hours later, I just my plane had just landed in South Carolina. I get this call, and she's just terrified. And I just love what, what Tina said about fear, about how to disarm fear. You know, That's the thing. The enemy wants to get us in fear. I'm looking at a room full of people that are full of faith. And, you know, we, we're we all tempted every day to slip back into fear, right? But we move forward in faith. And one of the best things to move us forward in faith is not only looking at the scripture, but also having our friends to reach out to, having people that we can share our feelings with. And, and she says, Joshua's got the most aggressive form of cancer. He's got a 50-50 survival chance. They're going to start you know, um, surgery tomorrow and start chemo tomorrow. And so, you know, as a single dad, a divorced dad with, with joint custody, I called my attorney. I said, I want to get a second opinion. And they said, well, you know, you you can't do that. I called the judge in, in the county where we divorced. It's too late. You can't do that. She's got the, the medicals under hers in the divorce decree. So I had to totally give it to God. And I said, okay, do I fly home? And, and I asked her, I said, should I fly home? She's like, no, you stay, we got it under control. My parents went to the hospital. You know, as a dad, I felt totally powerless because I wanted to be there with my son. Um, and he said, his mom said, don't come, just wait till your meeting's over. And I just wanna say, I've seen a lot of family support and a lot of group love here today. And that's what you need. You need a support system. And it's time to tell your story. If you're just writing your story, as as, uh, a cathartic thing to get through and to journal, do that, do that right now. I mean, maybe none of those words or maybe some of those words will go into a book in the future, that doesn't matter. It's about you journaling your way through this. I loved what Michelle said about journaling about what food you can eat and the positive things. And even if it makes you sick, make a journal entry of that and give yourself grace. So I don't know what it's like to be a woman, I don't know what it's like to have children. I don't know what it's like to have breast cancer, but I do know what it's like to be a single dad and not to be there with my son. And uh, I know COVID has separated a lot of people, but I know that he who began a good work in you is going to be faithful to complete it. And I know... This is a great event. we got some great speakers coming up. Don't go anywhere, Gigi. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of your new book, God First, your first book, Walk With Me, and God First. So excited about 2021 for all of you. Your greatest chapter is ahead of you. The canvas is white. So what are you going to put on 2021? I can't wait to see what you come up with. God bless you all. Thank you, Gigi. Thank you, Michael. Oh, by the way, he's 10 years cancer-free. I didn't mention that. Josh is 10 years cancer-free after a bone marrow transplant at Cooks in Fort Worth, Texas. So yeah, thank God for that. Melanie, now is the time to ring the bell. That's right. And he's working at a hospital. He's helping other patients, so he's paying it for (laughs) it. That's 24 years old.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much, Michael, for sharing. It's uh, it's just great to see your momentum and energy in helping everyone Get their story out. Amazing what you do. Thank you. The rest of our panelists here are sponsors today, which we really appreciate, and their stories of sharing. And Rogni Sinekas, you are the founder of World Women Conference and Awards, Women Entrepreneurs TV, Changemakers Coach, and Public Speaker. Welcome today, and thank you so much for your support of this event. We couldn't do it without you. We love you, and thank you.
15: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you everybody who has shared their story today because every story really truly has the power to change someone else's life. Uh, I have seen some of my friends which have joined the the live uh, broadcast of of this uh, panel. And um, uh, there are people that uh, that are going through that panel right now. And again, I wanna just uh, say that you do not fight alone. We are here. We are here to raise awareness. We are raised to awareness. Not we know that not only the people that are going through that, whether you are a woman or a man, uh, you you you're not paddling only for yourself. I know, especially women are like, uh, I'm not afraid of myself, but I'm afraid what's going to happen with my kids. I'm afraid what's going to happen with my 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 husband my parents so you need to let go of all of that and you need to take care of yourself put the mask on yourself first and then you're able to help everybody else so i have heard through all those stories which were shared with you today and they come all down to one thing put yourself first take care of yourself first because if you're not doing it, you do not have your health. You're not, you do not have anything because health is the foundation of your inner strength. The other thing which I want to raise the awareness is also in order not to be in that story or in order not to really having them, them the, the, the idea that why is it happened to me, And not not needing to really come to the conclusion that it happens for me. Let's try to really educate and empower through education. How can we avoid those things? We know that stress is bad. Are we doing something to to avoid or minimize? No. Uh, We know that eating sugar is bad. What are we doing as parents? Are we showing the correct role models. Sometimes yes, sometimes maybe no. And we all know how important exercise is for us. Are we doing it? Usually not. Usually something really needs to start to hurt or something really needs to start, start to squeeze in order for us to pay attention to our physical body. Because the physical body is so so smart, it just takes time out. If you don't do it, <laughs> it will do. And uh, just as a final note on emotional intelligence, because this is the key, which is going to be the key for not having to conquer the battle with a with a with with cancer, processing, releasing toxic emotions, our. Educational system is broken. It doesn't, doesn't really teach us how to do so. So now we need to be aware and need to be intelligent on that. So try to be the role model for your kids that they understand that they need to go through their emotions, not suppress them. Healing your wounds, again, forgiveness, giving everything out. Just don't have those things inside of you. And gratitude. Practice gratitude, because that's, that's 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 the answer for so many things. And you heard all the journaling, meditation, uh, and really, really take 2021, your year, where you install your new habits and your new rituals for healthy life. Not only for physical health, but also your Mind your heart, your soul. So be the whole you. Thank you very much for joining us today. And I will pray for all of you who you are going through. Your voice needs to be heard. Your story needs to be shared. And by doing so, we can also support each other. So thank you very much for showing up today. Thank you, Ragni.
1: Thank you, Ragni, so much. We appreciate you. Our next sponsor, Daniel Gomez, thank you for joining us today. Your wife, Mari, spoke earlier an emotional story of surviving and how you supported her and the family throughout all of this. And listening to all these stories today, we know how important that is, the role that you play in her life. Uh, You're a keynote speaker, corporate trainer, executive coach, confidence architect, and author. Thank you for your support of this event.
16: Well, thank you, thank you, Melanie, and uh, thank you, Gigi, for having me. And it's never easy when you see somebody that you love almost die, right? You think you we, we think we have everything figured out, monetarily and money in the bank, and just everything, and all of a sudden you get that phone call. And I'll never forget that day when Marty called me. But I really want to speak and just thank all the women for opening their hearts and being transparent after we had to get off a little bit because Madi got emotional because she was just like she's, she's still getting in the habit of sharing her story but it's it's something that when we speak it actually brings healing to our hearts to our souls and I want to encourage every woman that's out there and even every man share your story let that let people need to hear this because it, it brings life to other people and I just really want to say to, to the husbands out there, you know, I, I was really surprised, Melanie, that when, when Madi got cancer, one of the stats that kind of blew me up, I, I say that because you were talking a lot about stats and thank you for that, is that we're, I was surprised how many men leave their wives when they're diagnosed with breast cancer because they don't want to go through their journey. It was a lot higher than what I anticipated it would be. And, and I really want to speak to the men the, the, the men of the household that are supporting these women that don't give up. They need you. A coward takes a way out and leaves his wife, leaves his children. And, and it, it's not fair to anybody, but the thing is together you can make it through. Because I can tell you that there was countless, countless nights that I cried and I, I, I questioned God and why God and give me the pain. And, it's, and we don't understand and it's not for us to understand, but I will say that walking out on your wife is not the answer to the problem. Walking out on your family is not the answer. And, and I say that because there's a lot more men out there than we realize that walk out on our, on our spouses, on, on our family because of breast cancer. And it's, your family needs you. And maybe you're going through this right now and you're seeing this broadcast for a reason and don't give up. Maybe it's not fair, but I promise you at the other side of everything, and even though I couldn't see it three and a half years ago, just the person that my wife's become, the person that I've become, I'm still a work in progress by all means. There's still a lot of things that I need to work on, but I can tell you that Gigi and Melanie, my, my, my family wouldn't be as close right now with God and we wouldn't have the relationships with our children and I wouldn't have the marriage that I have, if it wasn't the fact that that breast cancer walked in and rearranged everything, but it was it was a blessing in disguise. And I say that because... Sometimes it's not easy. Like my wife said, I remember her having the four drains all around and she couldn't even turn to the left. She couldn't turn to the right because it was just, it was just so painful. But I want to say this is that just talk to somebody. Sometimes the best medication is just talking to somebody. And, and if someone comes to you that, that, that has breast cancer and just wants to talk, let them talk. I never, I never forget what my wife told me. She goes, "Sometimes I don't want you to say anything. I just want you to be quiet and listen." And that's the best thing that I learned in this season is just to be quiet. And it's hard because I'm a high D. I want to be, I want to respond, and God just said, "Just hush." But just the fact that she can vent out and talk, and and I could listen, sometimes that's the that's that's the best, just medication that that a woman's soul can get, a man's soul can get is just to be heard without expecting anything to be told back to them in return. So if y'all need help, I'm the president of Daniel. I'm the president of, I'm Daniel Gomez, the president of Mardi Strong Foundation. If you need help with anything, um, reach out to us at the Strong Foundation.com. That's Strong Foundation.com. Go to the contacts. And if we can support you this holiday season somehow with anything having to do with some emergency money, please reach out to us. And, and I want to thank Melanie and Everyday Leaders. They, they were a big sponsor of our women's conference in, in October. And because of Melanie, we were able to actually help five women here in San Antonio with uh, breast cancer people, that women that didn't have money for, for Christmas dinner. So we were able to bless them. I haven't posted the pictures yet, but I will. So thank you, Melanie, because you helped feed five families. We gave everyone a $100 gift card from H-E-B Grocery Store here. So. Everyday leaders had a lot to do with that. So thank you, everybody. Remember, just tell your story because it's going to heal somebody's heart and it's going to heal you in the process because you matter. Thank you, ladies.
1: Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel, very much, very much. You know, today we have been sharing so many statistics of breast cancer and there are so many other things that we can be diagnosed with. And part of this, what we've talked about, and everybody's mentioned it again, is just mindset, right? Getting through the holidays and COVID-19, and we've all tried to adjust to what we believe in. And so I think this inner spirit, this inner beauty, this inner purpose is really what we need to rely on to drive us to be successful in our lives. I want to thank Gigi as the, the sponsor, this host for the event. You know, in the beginning, I was having a little trouble with my video and it was taking my attention, <laughs> but, you know, to properly give Gigi credit, she is a first-generation Haitian American. She is the CEO for Life Service Center of America, LLC, Life Service Center to Give Us Life. She is also the keynote mo- motivational speaker and, like Michael Butler said, two-times best-selling author, just amazing woman that we have here as our host today, and she is so celebrated because she sees the vision in bringing people together for a bigger purpose. So I, I wanted to make sure that everyone that was listening really can connect to this amazing woman that is just changing the world. I say in my Everyday Leaders platform, we are here <clears throat> as everyday leaders doing things every day to make impact, to change the world, and Gigi, I just celebrate you so much in everything that you're doing. So congratulations on such a successful event today. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Trying to find my bell. (laughs) 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 Because you deserve it. (laughs) And And now I want to remind people, we are going to have a discussion group that will be powerful. If you have friends, family that you can invite to this after the event, it'll go into a Facebook discussion group. I'd like to turn it over to you, Gigi, at this time, um, just for some closing words. And thank you so much again.
0: Thank you. Thank you all again for being here today. And thank you to our speakers and our sponsors. I truly appreciate you. And now you all are truly aware of what breast cancer is and how it also affects the loved ones around those who have to witness the individual who has breast cancer or cancer in general. And so I encourage you all to sign up for our breast cancer discussion group today. So this discussion can continue because we need to discuss it. As someone mentioned today, it is a healing process as well. I believe that was Daniel Gomez. It is a healing process to speak about it as well and to help others. And what better place than a discussion group where amazing leaders are able to assist those who are maybe not strong enough to get through that as well so i think that's a great place to continue that discussion so thank you all again and now i'll turn it over to lakeisha and we'll end
4: with a prayer for peace (laughs) okay bow your heads Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, for this day. We thank you for this day, Father, that you have gave us and we're exceedingly rejoicing in it. Father, we want to send a special prayer out for our World Women Conference Award sister, Celine. Father, she's dealing with breast cancer right now. We just ask you right now to just lift her up, Father. Touch her right now, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. We know the blood still works. We plead the blood from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet, Father. Strengthen her in her time of need. Strengthen her family in their time of need, Father. And we just want her to know that we support her, Father. When she needs us, we're there. We thank you right now for our sister. And for the other women and men that share their story on this platform, Father, we thank you right now for their transparency. We thank you for their healing, Father. We thank you for their voices. We ask you right now, Father, to continue to be with them as they travel this journey, because it's healing for them. And the people that shared their story today, Father, it's not a story for them. It's a story for everyone else, Father, because you cannot have a testimony without a test. It was just thank you for this platform that was created by Gigi. We thank you for all the participants. We thank you for everyone that showed up today, Father. We thank you right now, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank
0: you all. God bless you all, and have a Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> thank
16: you. Thank you, everybody.
1: Bye, bye. You're welcome. Love it. Thank you. So much, everyone. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Holidays.